My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that our government is shady, but every time I do, my family thinks I'm crazy. inside a soul trap, a prison planet? Could the very notion be a path to mental enslavement? Or might it awaken salvation in the dormant third eyes of man? Gnosticism may not be alone in promoting this paradigm. The contemporary Discordians whose merry ways married chaos and art, info and disinfo, while inverting Gnosis and transforming the Illuminati from the arcane into the infamous, adding ink to an increasingly murky pool of inquiries into the structures of the mind and the matrix of the universe. While some stare into the abyss and turn to stone, today's guest has overcome all odds and gained his own spiritual high ground from which he guides his life and maintains his integrity. John Brisson of We've Read the Documents and Fix Your Gut joins me, Mystic Mark, here on the My Family Picks and Crazy podcast to discuss his research into the finder's cult, Gordians and his conversion from New Age Gnosticism to born-again Christianity. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast and enjoy this conversation with John Brisson. There has to be some sort of, of an agreement reality. Because if that doesn't exist, then we don't have a basis of a civilization. And the Discordians have done everything they possibly can to destroy that. Because then there won't be a civilization. They can build it and mold it. And I'll have to, and you know, I don't, you know, George Orwell is an elitist, but he wasn't necessarily wrong in 1984. You know, I think that the New World Order will look more like a brave new world. But he wasn't wrong in 1984 of the destruction of history and, and re, you know, you know who controlled the past net controls the future, you know, building it up into whatever they want it to be, right? And so that seems like what they're trying to do with the Tartaria mythos. Now, I would say they're also using it as a way of pushing people into New Ageism and Theosophy, okay? But, you know, I would say that from a Christian perspective, but they're using it as a way to push... The great awakening and to push their belief of history in the, any way that they see fit 
you know, and it's very dangerous thinking because then you start going, okay, is anything real? And then and, and then that, that leads to, you remember when Neil deGrasse Tyson, World Future Society member, went to a Glenn Maxwell party with RFK Jr. during the mid-2010s. DeGrasse Tyson said, oh, we're just assimilation in a snot-nosed kid's alien basement. Well, doesn't that kind of debase reality and existence at that point? You know, God's creation, you know, at that point? It debases that into just ones and zeros. Why does anything matter at that point? Ladies and gentlemen, here we are on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. And with me for the first time is someone who I just met, and I'm very, very pleased to have him here on the show. He's a gentleman named John Brisson. Brisson, I'm going to correct myself there, John Brisson from We've Read the Documents. And uh, John, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. I hope we can get into some uh, pretty deep stuff. Uh, but you're... You're sort of uh, a two-fold guy. You also have uh, Fix Your Gut, am I right? I mean, you're, you're sort of into this uh, health world, but you're also into this sort of deep state, uncovering the truth on what's going on with the government, the military, Secret Service, and beyond. You know? So you, how did you begin this journey? Was it initially uh, the Fix Your Gut work, or was it the We've Read Your Documents that came first? What came first? Uh, thank you, Mark, for having me on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, um, I, well, I guess as far as work is concerned, it would be, uh, fix your gut. Um, I, uh, was raised in conspiracy culture myself. My father was a conspiracy theorist, but I rejected his conspiratorial beliefs and aligned my beliefs with my grandfather's at the time, uh, who was a neoconservative. Um, and so I, you know, I used to think that my dad, <laughs> so if you tell him your podcast, you know, my family thinks, you know, that I'm crazy. I used to thought my dad was crazy, you know, but now it turns out that my dad was actually right more the way he looked at the world than I wanted, than I would admit to myself growing up. But maybe it's a form of rebellion, huh? When your dad's a, uh, a, a, a you know, a leftist, uh, left-leaning conspiracy theorist right. and you become a uh, right establishment neocon, <laughs> you know? So, you know, I, I, um, Remember uh, one night, it was probably, I think it was the December 2008, I heard Alex Jones on Coast to Coast AM. I used to have this old radio that was my grandfather's, and I turned to AM 640, to local AM station, and listened at late night because my dad used to uh, listen to Art Bell and uh, um, uh, you listen to Art Bell and Bill Cooper. I didn't really like Alex Jones very much, um, even even way back when. Um, and, um, you know, I, and so I would, you know, turn in to listen to coast to coast AM and I heard Alex Jones on Alex Jones talking about how 9-11 was an inside job. Right. And so I was like, oh, that's, that's crazy. But it kind of stuck in the back of my head. Right. And I was kind of like amazed of all the stuff that he was saying, uh, you know, and, it, and I was like, okay. So I started looking it up on the internet and lo and behold, <laughs> I mean, there's, there's numerous factors and causes of who's done 9-11. Right. But, uh, to, to, to the conventional narrative just, just doesn't add up. And so from there, I started looking at natural health and, uh, before my uh, first son was born in September 2009, I started developing silent reflux and started getting very sick. 
um, and couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. All the doctors uh, said there that you know I was perfectly fine, looked perfectly healthy, uh, but I you know I was suffering. You know I I would lose my voice. I was coughing all the time. Uh, I'd have panic attacks. Uh, I, I just felt horrible, and 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 none of them could find out what was wrong with me, and. Uh, so I just kept researching and, and silent reflux wasn't a known medical condition at the time. And, and, um, you know, I, uh, you know, gained a lot of knowledge from that. And, um, uh, my middle child, Abel, who later passed away, um, he was born with an extremely rare medical condition, congenital myopathy with excess muscle spindles. He was six diagnosed in the world with it. Um, and, uh, I had, uh, listened to, Dave Asprey on the Joe Rogan podcast um, uh, around that time. It was around 2011, 2012-ish, if I remember correctly. And uh, I started going on the Bulletproof forums and uh, discussing my health knowledge with people on the forums. And that's when I had met uh, my business partner and my good friend, uh, uh, Titus. Uh, and we had decided to um, take the knowledge because I wrote this big, really big thread on magnesium, which if the bulletproof forums are still up, it should still be on there. Um, and, uh, you know, he was like, you know, a lot about health. Um, and actually ended up helping his sister as well, who, who, who thank the Lord is still alive today. Um, you know, she had extremely rare medical condition of herself. And, um, you know, and he was like, you have all this knowledge, you know, why don't we, you know, get it out to people and try to help people and stuff like that and everything. So we found a fix your gut. So I wrote fix your gut. Uh, I have a second health book. I haven't published yet, which is on mitochondrial health. It's been mostly done for years. I just have to finish editing it. Um, and I've been, you know, there's, there's over 200 and I think 40, 30, 40 blogs published on fix your gut for free that people can read. And, and I've uh, been writing and, and uh, coaching people uh, to better health uh, ever since. Uh, I know what it's like to be ill. I know what it's like to be sick. I don't wish that upon anyone. Uh, I lost my mom when I was uh, around the age of seven to systemic lupus. I lost my father when I was 18 to complications of hepatitis C. Um, you know, I've had a lot of death in my life and, you know, and I've had a lot of sickness in my life too. And I, you know, I, a lot of the medical establishment, um, it's more about making money on the upper levels, maybe not so much on the practitioners on the lower levels. They really don't know uh, that the system is corrupt. There's a lot of uh, cognitive biases as we all have. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of uh, making money and keeping people sick uh, with big pharma, and big health. Uh, then there is actually addressing root causes and getting people better. Uh, and it's quite sad. Um, and so um, we read the documents came later. Much later, I had been researching conspiracies long at the same time I'd been researching health, but I never really talk about it publicly. Uh, and the first show I ever went on was uh, Greg Carwood's show, which back then I, I was uh, was uh, a Gnostic New Ager. Um, and, um, you know, I, I've, I've become born again uh, the past few years uh, as a Christian. And so my worldview has, has radically shifted in a lot of ways. Uh, but, you know, I, um, I, I, you know, I, that I started to do, we've read the documents because, I was doing health research and, and doing health streams and health podcasts and stuff. And I had a lot of health knowledge. So I was like, okay, let's see if I can try to do it with, 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 uh, parapolitics and, and, and conspiracy. Um, and, uh, you know, I just started doing streams, you know, and, um, I've been doing both ever since. Uh, uh, and it's, it's a lot of, um, consuming uh mental knowledge and mental space 
<laughs> and sometimes it does get burning out, you know, and, and, you know, my mind has changed over the many years, over different things as, as a lot of people's have, you know, I was, was stupid enough to fall for the psychographical and psychological and spiritual warfare of the, uh, of uh, Cambridge Analytica uh, and voted for Trump in 2016, uh, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, we all do things that we regret, right? And I don't know, he, here I am trying to finish my book on the finders, you know, trying to get that information out there because I think it's pertinent in today's modern world, but it's tough. It's uh, it's It's tough trying to bring forth information in the today's modern digital world that we live in when things have become so buried and so muddled, do you understand what I'm saying, Mark, without trying to be too long-winded there? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering, you know, if you're seeing parallels uh, in the way you described the uh, medical field and it's sort of top down control and corruption where the, the lower rungs really aren't aware of the corruption they're complicit in. You know, have you seen that paralleled in your research into parapolitics with politicians sort of uh, filling that role of the professional class that doctors are in? I would say so. Yeah, I would say that. Um, I would say if we look at the uh, American uh, political government structure, I would assume that um, probably your uh, some of your United States House of Representatives uh, probably don't know as much of the uh, evil that our government does and the governments around the world perpetrate, the elite perpetrate, more than like Senate members or more like the Speaker of the House or more like the Vice President and the President, you know, or the, or the who's in charge of the CIA or the FBI, you know, and the elites above them and so forth and so on. I mean, just like the finer's operation, and I have made and I've talked about this, the world order, for lack of a better terms, is highly compartmentalized. Um, and medicine is highly compartmentalized as well, too. I mean, there were, you know, I mean, look at what happened with uh, Oxycons and the Sackler family. My dad, uh, his liver was failing uh, towards the middle uh, part of the 90s. Uh, and they told him the Oxycontin was not addicting. Uh, the doctors did. Uh, um, and it, he could use Oxycontin as a former heroin addict and not uh, reignite his addiction. Uh, which was completely untrue. I mean, he went back to to using drugs, and I, I don't fault him for that now. Uh, you know, I, being a little bit wiser as 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 in my mid thirties, you know, but at the time, as a you know, as a teenager, I didn't understood, and you know, was angry at him. And you know, I I, I you know, I were there doc sub doctors that probably knew intuitively or knew from their expertise that yeah, there's probably some addicting potential to oxycontin. Yeah, probably. But a lot of them just trusted, you know, pharmaceutical companies and, and, you know, trusted the Sackler family and Sackler Pharmaceuticals and trusted what they were be telling by drug reps who probably were had their own cognitive biases being fulfilled. And, you know, money and greed and, and, and cognitive biases to drive a lot of people's, uh, you know, beliefs um, and a lot of people's actions. Um, and so the same could be said within our own government, right? It's highly compartmentalized. Um, not everybody knows everything that's happening at one time, though, as parapolitical researchers and conspiracy theorists, we like to think that that's probably the cause, right? That they're all in on it to all degrees, right? But that's not 
probably necessarily true uh, if we really look upon that. Um, and that's why I've always said the finders is, is, you know, unless I make specific claims about members of the group that I'm able to back up, um, not all of them knew exactly everything that was going on at all times or to the depth of what was happening within the operation. You know, Marion Petty, the leader, probably knew a majority of the things that were going on, you know, right, Mark? But some of the lower members probably didn't, you know. And so we have to kind of remember that uh, as researchers, you know, uh, sometimes we can think that everybody knows everything and it's always a ritual and it's always a work. Um because that's where our mindset takes us, but that's not always necessarily the case upon further reflection, you know, and I'm guilty of, of looking at it that way all the time. Mm. Now you brought up Marion Petty and just for a little background information, because I mean, I've heard a thing or two about the finders that make me think of groups like the Discordians and uh, these other types of uh, ARG groups. I mean, some people, are, our mutual friend Steven Snyder suggests yeah. that the Rosicrucians are uh, performing a sort of ARG, which seems to make sense based on some things he points out. But on that note, do you think the finders, Marion Petty, and, and his sort of uh, game that he was allegedly like guising this human trafficking under um you know, do you think that's a continuation of something earlier or is it sort of uh a, a new kind of thing that just popped up because this guy had, had you know uh, connections and you know like is this a is this an iteration of something older i guess is a, is a more simple way to ask this question i would say yes i mean uh, Marion Petty had uh, many uh, mentors, uh, both uh, in the United States government and the United States military or spies. Joseph Chang was one. Uh, Charles Marsh was another. He was a major elite, elitist financier. Uh, media print was his main uh, way of making money, um, as well as, you know, Petty was very well versed in uh you know reading a, a lot of uh, occultists and new agers and had interact interaction interactions with occultists and new agers as well too and many elite members like barbara marks hubbard for example one of the founders of the world future society which edward i mean which uh with edward cornish which uh, i mean petty was you know decades long friend with edward cornish and was a founder of the world future society himself kind of like this futurist uh globalist uh new age think tank you know and so it would be my, I guess, if I'm going to look at it through a, my worldview, which would be a Christian worldview, it would just be a retelling of Mystery Babylon, um, and there's nothing new uh, under the sun, right? It's all striving, you know, against the wind. So, petty was petty wasn't nothing new, um, you know. It's like the Finders was nothing new, Esalen was nothing new. Um, the Franklin scandal is nothing new, just like people think Epstein is new. Epstein's not, not new either. Uh, you know, these are just them running very similar playbooks, the world elite over and over and over again on the populace. They might every now and then change a little bit of its presentation, uh, but it seems to be pretty much um, something that they have continued to do uh, for millennia. 
centuries? Um, I mean, that's actually an excellent question, Mark. I've never really never really thought of it that way, but I mean, it is it is true in a lot of ways. I mean, nothing. How many times have these esoteric Discordian cults, process church coming to mind? Uh, you know, Elizabeth Crair Prophets, Universal Church and Triumphant, uh, the Unification Church with Irvin Sungma Moon and their own human trafficking allegations. Like, how many times does this keep going on and on and repeat? And we see it. And there's the things that we know of and the ones that they put up front and the when the ones that we that are behind the scenes that you and I may never know of. And just thinking of that, it's kind of like when you think of the vastness of the machine, the vastness of um the elite and their machinations, it is kind of daunting in a way. To, to think of the depths of, of of the darkness, you know what I mean? I mean, it's nothing. How, how I mean, it's it never ends, you know. I mean, it, it seems like it seems like it's infinite, you know. It seems like as soon as you cut off uh, two or three heads of the Hydra, another, you know, three or four pop up, you know. And mm. some of it's, you know, humans' own fallen nature, some of it is, is definitely satanic influence. Um, and it's just with the with the finders you know it there there it wasn't the operation of of itself to hijack the counterculture movement i mean how many how how much how many side how how you know was the counterculture movement was it a grassroots movement from the very beginning or was it always astroturf just like the tea party and the council for national policy doing the same thing to the tea party right so Marion Petty, one of his main jobs was to steer the counterculture movement for the way that the the CIA wanted him to do. But at the same time, we knew it was going on through multiple fronts. I mean, look at Dave McGowan's work, right? Mm. Weird scenes, you know? I mean, how many people were controlling, you know, the minds and hearts of the American population uh, or even the populations before America? Um so it didn't start with the finders. It's, 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 it's been with us in some degree, I would say forever. Right. Yeah. It seems that way. I mean, this is why history's become endlessly fascinating for me growing up here in Connecticut, not too far from New Haven, Yale as an institution with their many secret societies. Yeah. I mean, I think it numbers at 40 nowadays and you know many of those i would say probably 30 or 25 of those are just sort of frivolous uh sort of clubs that people join to to feel a sort of community and not to be left out but there are still these monolithic secret societies like skull and bones that exist and have influenced and you know not to totally uh go on to a skull and bones tangent that's just where i've been uh researching lately uh, it seems like they preempt the CIA, um, but to move things forward into the future with the Discordians, they also seem to preempt this UFO research movement. And uh, you know, Richard Spence, who's been a guest on the show twice, yeah. he once talked to me about a book of his uh, that re I forget the title, but it's related to uh, the idea that secret agents 
have infiltrated this ufology scene. Uh, for what reasons? Well, I'm sure there's a variety of them, but have you seen that overlap yourself? I mean, looking into these groups like the Finders and beyond, I mean, the Finders had computer yeah. technology that you know the average person did not have at that time. I, what was it, the 70s or the 80s? I mean, they had It was like, the 80s. It was the late 80s, but they, yeah, but you're right, they did. Yeah, they had access to an early... Uh, iteration of the internet and they had these portable computers that they were using to send information and you know when you sort of think about what that would take I mean yeah sure there was a black market but uh, it seems like those guys had access to black budget technology not just black market goods so yeah I I don't know what your thoughts are on all that but when it comes to you know, cults seems like ufology has skirted in that realm as well. I mean, you have like the uh, Marshall Applewhite situation and uh, many other sort of copycats of that. So uh, it has become sort of a, a new uh, religion in in its own way. But yeah, it's no different than these ancient cults that would sacrifice themselves to a certain god in a in you know a certain in uh expression it's just a different modern expression of that i mean have you have you ever watched uh stephen cambian's uh truth seekers youtube channel no no i'm gonna write that down he's done a lot of exposing uh the fraud and the government agents within the uh ufo movement um and you know, I, I, I've, I've, I've looked into it, some of it myself. Um, I know that uh, Louis Elizondo uh, would be front and center uh, um, platformed on Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson, and I've done a, 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 a stream on this, um, was a very big pusher of what, you know, I would term to be the false uh, incoming supposed alien invasion where they're going to try to stage an alien invasion project blue beam kind of kind of foretold that a little bit. That's if this happens, but you know, if they do try to to play that card of trying to unite humanity against um, an, a a false alien foe. um, And uh, of course, you know, using, um, Space Command would Trump Trump form to, to, to try to fight out against that, you know uh, that they they could do that. I mean, they primed society's beliefs back and forth of whether you know aliens are are, are good or aliens are are are, are, are bad. Uh, I myself, you know, look at from a biblical perspective, look at aliens to be uh, the fallen angels or demons. Uh, but there is a lot of um, kind of you know control within media through in hollywood uh through um you know conventions through through podcasts uh that you know have government agent whistleblowers whistleblowers come forward and discuss um you know hidden or secret technology but none of it ever really truly pans out and you have uh some also very nefarious players within the ufo community too like david wilcox um and um uh, corey good uh who stephen cambian has done a lot to expose and of course you know them fraudulently pushing um the cell of med beds and which kind of uh morphs itself into QAnon lore 
uh, that even Alex Jones, you know, came out and said all the secret cures are going to be, you know, released out into the world through the Trump administration. And that kind of, you know, harking back to what you'd mentioned earlier that, I mean, if you pick up the works of Alice Bailey or you pick up Barbara Marks Hubbard books, Happy, Happy Birthday Planet Earth, you know, the theosophists, you know, they, 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 um, they, um, they 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 teach that they teach that you know that that um all these secret hidden technologies uh that the elite have or that um other uh you know possible alien races maybe the pleadians you know have or are are being held by you know against us against the old world order or the satanic elite but once uh they be put forth uh they'll benefit humanity but when you really read their works they kind of like it's always like a Barbara Marks Hubbard, and I hope I'm making sense here. Kind of like you know you're 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 you're, you're uh, you um got a really bad car accident. You're kind of like in and out of consciousness. You know you're in the hospital, kind of in and out of a coma. They don't know whether or not you're going to make it or not. And to quote unquote spare your life, Barbara Marks Hubbard comes in with a smile on her face and singing a tune and puts a pillow on your head to kill you. Okay. That's what they're framing all this stuff as is they'll give you what sounds good up front. They'll give you, you know, oh, well, we'll have all the secret cures and you'll have all this, you know, you'll never be sick a day in your life and you'll be in peace and you'll have everything that you want. But when when you actually, you know, read their works, Barbara's Hubbard talks about to achieve that they have to kill. She the elite have to kill off one fourth of humanity. So, I mean, the ends don't justify the means, right. you know, in, in that case. And in your reading her, she's talking about how pretty much they worship, and Alice Bailey talked about this too, they worship atomic energy and they worship biotechnology. And she wrote this book in the 80s, they talk about the spiritual component to mRNA technology. And you're like, so is, does that apply today with, 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 with the vaccines? You know, I mean, it's it's and, and and all these people pushed UFOs. I mean, she, she Barbara Marks Hubbard pushed the false 20, uh, 2012 Mayan calendar prophecy, you know, and so you see the blending of new ageism and UFOs and, you know, the government, for lack of a better words, trying to steer people's minds and emotions. Now, I would say away from God is is the main cause, but some of it could just to be to 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 sow chaos because they believe that out of the chaos that they can get order, you know, or if they can destabilize enough of um enough of of, of a person's conscious thought or destable enough of society. In and of itself, I mean, that's what Discordianism is, right, is you end up, you know, confusing a person's reality so much and they can't tell what's up or down. And and in the end, they become docile because of that, because they're so lost, their spirit is broken at that point, you know. So they're all trying to to push towards that. I mean, we see it with the transhumanist agenda. We see it with Elon Musk, uh, who is, you know, oh, he's free Twitter, Right. Mark, he's free Twitter, right? Right? Mm. But yeah, he still wants to put chips in people's brains. Mm, right. And he's very much pro, you know, favor of, of of the climate change agenda. And, you know, Elon Musk is very much an elitist. And he wants to turn Twitter into kind of like a copy of WeChat, naming the X platform with a social credit score into it. You know, so 
these people claim that they'll give you everything you want and more when in reality, you know, it's a poison pill. Um, and, you know, they've infiltrated all walks of society. Who do we think that they haven't infiltrated uh, the UFO community and they're trying to steer it to whatever they want it to be, you know? Mm. I think that's exactly it. And it plays into this old playbook. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on this, because to me it reads like a uh, a sort of sci-fi version of the end of days that a lot of apocalyptic groups get obsessed with, right? And uh, as a born-again Christian, I mean, do you think that these people are sort of just disguising themselves as Christians in order to, you know, recruit more Christians? Do you think there's any validity in the Bible or biblical truth behind that idea of the end of days and a coming apocalypse that leads to God's judgment? Or do you think this is some sort of political device that's been used by cults or maybe a blending of both i mean as a born-again christian i mean yeah i do uh believe in 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 the revelation put forth in the bible of the end of the end times however uh i i do know that it has been bad jacketed it's been bad jacketed by members of the council for national policy for example you had uh, tim lahey who founded the council for national policy that took unification church money uh by the reverend sung Ma moon who was a heretic who said jesus christ felt his mission on the cross uh and that he was going to fulfill it um and, and moon did other things were like rape and human trafficking i mean like he's a horrific human being um but he um he he you know tim lahey wrote with, with uh, Jenkins, uh, well, actually Jenkins wrote it all. Tim LaHaye just gave him the idea, uh, the Left Behind series, where we get a lot of modern-day uh, pre-tribulation rapture eschatology, um, which I myself am a post-tribulation uh, rapture believer. I have no against uh, you know other brothers in Christ that believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, but a lot of the modern-day theology associated with that, a lot of it is steered by the left behind. It's steered by Tim LaHaye. It's steered by Jenkins, uh, and it's 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 and it's and it's. <laughs> Tim LaHaye was as, as evil as a day is long. He, he he acted like he was a Christian, but anything was anything but, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I see it with the Council for National Policy and what they've tried to accomplish, uh, major majorly uh, steering the rise of Christian nationalism, uh, which I am against uh, myself as a uh, as as a Baptist. Uh, I do believe in the separation of church and state. Uh, you uh, you can't force um, a person to uh, have a relationship with Jesus Christ and God in the blood of a gun. Uh, you know, that would be a stink to God's nostrils. Uh, and so, you know, they are pushing that. They're, they're pushing that. Um, I, but biblically, though, I do see the alignment of the transition of the old world order to the new world order. Uh, the the harlot to the beast system, the great reset, which we're living to we're living through right now. If we truly are living in the end times, if we are, I'm not for sure, but I think it may be likely uh, to the phony great awakening, which is you know which is you know uh, foretold by the Bible, but it's also talked about in a good light by by people modern discordians that are pushing it now, like Michael Flynn and 
Stephen Ketamine Bannon, for example, uh, or Alexander Dugan. Uh, and, you know, they're pushing that mindset right now that the Great Awakening is is a good thing where everything will be revealed. I mean, we've been told a conspiracy culture, Mark, and you probably can attest to this. We've been told a conspiracy culture that the grand unveiling, when, when the scales fell off of people's eyes and they finally realized how wicked the world is and that the elites are in power and everything like that, and the world entirely rises up and overthrows the elite, that's a good thing, right? I mean, David Icke uh, discusses it fairly often. Alex Jones discusses it fairly often. I mean, all the major uh, quote-unquote truth-tellers of the truther movement, uh, that's what they they propagate like a parent, and I myself a guilty of previously propagating that for years well in the modern times who who did they get that from alice bailey there's no difference right pick up alice bailey's work and read them there's no difference and this woman you know was elite evil you know true and true i mean founding of the lucius trust lucifer 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 publishing uh you know yoked up with the united nations you know i mean she there's not very much difference in the way that they're i mean listen to bar marks hubbard she uses the same language the same exact language they all use the same language so it can't be good if these p i mean bar marks hubbard said you know one-fourth of humanity is going to have to be cold that the leader of the pale horse rider ordained by God to kill one fourth of humanity, you know? And so, you know, they, they, they talk about the plan. The new age talks about the plan, the plan. You'll hear that a lot. Well, the QAnon operation always said, trust the plan. Right. And if you read the plan, it's whomever doesn't assent, whomever does not think like them, they're going to die. They're going to kill them. And so it's playing out and on all sides Everybody, everybody, and that's why Jesus said if it was even possible for the elect to be deceived, everybody is getting, you know, is it, they're pushing to this phony worldwide great awakening. And I would ask you, Mark, is just like I ask, you know, my listeners or people that I know personally, when has the last time a revolution ever worked out in the benefit for the people and wasn't a change of guard for the elite? Mm. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there has been a situation where we've been given an honest revolution. I mean, some people talk about the the United States Constitution being a sort of rare document that keeps us uh, in some protection. But I, I mean, even that seems frivolous when you look at the admiralty law stuff and how, yeah. you know, these courts are ultimately, you know, uh, all betrothed on the royalty. They're all, all lawyers are, are under the British uh, admiralty uh, registration or British aristocracy registration, I believe it is. So what does that tell you? I mean, our own lawyers in the United States constitutional law schools are, are you know, following orders of the, of the, the king and the queen. I mean, what is our constitution worth if that's what they're doing? So, yeah, I, I don't, uh, I don't pretend to, to fall into that kind of patriotism, but it definitely has been used against us. I mean, I voted for Trump too. I mean, I, I saw how much he was, um, you know, 
despised by the same media I knew yeah. was lying to us. So I said, oh, well, he yeah. must have the truth. Look at look at him. But clearly there was some foreknowledge of that mechanism here, and they played us. They played us, you know, like a piano. I mean, do you remember the mimetic warfare? Remember when, mm, I mean, they play, I'm a huge wrestling fan growing up watching it here in the South, mm. and they literally had Trump, you know, clotheslining CNN, you know, I mean, they use emetic warfare and discordianism. I knew better. You knew better. Most people that were conspiracy theorists or conspiracy, you know, conspiracists or para, you know, parapolitical researchers that ended up falling for the warfare knew better. But it was so slick. We got fooled. And when everybody's telling you, I hadn't listened to Alex Jones for years. Mark, I was all I figured Alex Jones was a Zionist shill. I had listened for years. And then all of a sudden I was listening to him. All of a sudden I was back listening to Rush Limbaugh in my car. I was back listening to Sean Hannity because I thought that Trump had flipped them and they were fighting for us. That's how thick the delusion was. Mm. Yeah. Well, and it, it's it's a complicated web. It really is. I mean, the number of names of groups that you know, I can just pull from your "We've read the documents" Patreon. <laughs> there's a lot to study here, and uh, and there's a lot that I've looked into. And I would say uh, Christianity is kind of the same way. I mean, you you said you're a Baptist, and from what I understand, Skull and Bones was populated mostly by you know uh, Protestants, which was mm -hmm. interesting because you know, it kind of fits into this. Um, you know, and I'm definitely not, uh, you know, scholarly on Christianity enough to like know the difference between post-tribulation and pre-tribulation and all that. Uh, I appreciate your expertise on this. Maybe you can help me out. Um, but yeah. it seems like Skull and Bones, with their uh, elitism, maybe some of that Christianity was just a guise to hide the. Uh, Kabbalah that they are actually fascinated yeah. with. And I think there's sort of documentation showing this. But then when you compare that to the Los Alamos and the Manhattan Project, and as you said, they worship this nuclear power, what did Skull and Bones do? They created these nuclear weapons, quote unquote. I mean, they blew up these bombs. We're told they're nuclear weapons. We don't yeah, know sure. for sure. Yep. But yep. Th you know, there was allegedly a homunculus at the site of one yep. of these explosions. And I mean, it definitely has occult uh, tinges to it. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you think these are again Christians sort of disguising themselves and they're really actually occultists very much so I mean I would say the same for anybody of any religion that you know uh, uh, falls into the lead I mean uh, you know Andrew Tate's trying to uh, act like he's converted to Islam at this current moment and then mm -hmm. that's farther from the truth just like you know earlier he was trying to act like he was orthodox christian which is farther farthest from the truth you know and so uh, you know i yeah i yes i believe that majority of those people uh acted as christians because it is the um you know primary religion within the united states of america um to gain favor so that they could work their dark occultish magic uh, underneath the surface. I mean, you know, Babylon working, we had uh, L. Ron Hubbard and we had Parsons, right? And so uh, there's kind of the occult aspect of uh, rocketry. I uh, had um, a, a Kino roundtable 
on my uh, show and, and my friend, the Epic Journeyman, uh, put forth compelling evidence that the child that was brought forth because of the Babylon working ritual may have been Colonel Michael Aquino. Um, and so, you know, uh, the, the, uh, yes, there is a, a strong tie. Uh, between a lot of these elitist groups uh, trying to put on the thin veneer of uh, Christianity. Uh, some of them ally themselves, or at least try to appear to be Protestant. Some of them ally themselves and try to appear to be Orthodox. Some of them ally themselves and try to, to appear to be uh, Catholic. You have the Knights of Malta. Uh, you have uh, the Jesuits. Um, and so, you know, I do believe that there is a united, the Bible talks about body of the believers in Jesus Christ, they are separate from uh, specific denominations. Uh, you know, I do believe that there are born again believers within the Catholic Church, despite of the Catholic Church. I believe there's born again believers in, in within the Orthodox Church, despite the Orthodox Church. I believe there's born again believers in certain Protestant denominations, like the New Apostolic Reformation, that I might have a little bit of an issue with uh, that are born again, despite of, uh, um, you know, being in a church with bad doctrine. I mean, when I uh, was first uh, coming to the Lord, I was listening to T.D. Jakes, for example, and, 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 you know, and Paul talks about that, writes about the you know, letter that we should rejoice if anybody comes out of, of bad doctrine, you know, to the Lord, you know, and so, you know, I, I the, there is a lot of co-option uh, uh, you know, and I think primarily in the United States per se, uh, because United States, you know, majority of its populace has been Christian throughout, you know, ever since, um, let's say probably the 1800s, uh, 1700s. Um, and so it, it would make sense for, for, for that, uh, tense of purposes. But I mean, you know, Hitler, um, used Christianity as a veneer, but despised Christians, um, you know, it's it's pretty popular for the 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 elite uh, to do so, um, and you know, I mean, Barbara Marks Hubbard. When you read her, you know, she would sound like I did when I was a Gnostic. Uh, you know, she writes like she is a Christian, but she's not. She's a Theosophist. And so she kind of uses a lot of what they call Christianese, right? So when you're reading her, she's she, you know she's quote, quoting scripture, she's quoting Christian terms, you know she she's saying all these things. But as someone like me who is who you know I, I really take my faith seriously and practice it to the best of my ability and honor God, I'm reading this and I'm like, no, this woman may to the average person may sound like she's a Christian, but she's anything but. And then when you study her, you find out that no, she's she's definitely not. You know, she's a she's a discordian, she's an occultist, she's a theosophist. You know, and so, um, but they kind of you are right. They kind of use that as kind of like a way to almost shield themselves to protect themselves. I mean. Uh, a lot of uh, modern day Freemasonry, a lot is Protestant, quote unquote. I mean, the Catholics, there's a possible war uh, between Catholicism and uh, Freemasonry. Uh, at least that's what we're told, right? And that's what it looks like on appearances, right? So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, you know, and you mentioned... Well, we're told that atomic bombs are, and, you know, that's an excellent, you know, discussion of that as well is, is all of this advanced technology, whether it's the ghost in the machine, which is the internet or artificial intelligence, or whether it's atomic energy, it has echoes of 
forbidden fallen angel technology. It has echoes of occultism and mysticism, kind of like the, uh, you know, Chris Knowles. I don't agree with Chris Knowles on everything, but I do agree a lot with his Lucifer technology series um, because it does seem that the, the transition from, you know, transistors to capacitors around the same time that Babylon working was, was occurring the same time uh, that the, 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 uh, the, the, the finders were formed the same time the CIA was formed, like all these things were going on in the late 1940s and early 1950s uh, seemed to be a pivot point, you know, and I almost wonder, and I'd like to get your opinion on this. I almost wonder you know, they tried with CERN, but maybe they weren't trying to, they were not able to get another magical working going and their technologies kind of plateaued. If we're truly living into the end times, you know, I always go back and forth on this. Do they really have technology? Like, cause, cause you know, Barbara Hubbard and, you know, and Alice Bailey will kind of make it seem like, and it's a common trope in conspiracy culture. Oh, they have technology that's like 80 years in advance that they keep from the public. But what if the opposite is true and they really don't? They 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 they're almost at the, their limit mm. of technologically te, te, uh, technological advances. Um, I don't know. I, I think about that from time to time. You know, I used to be a very strong believer in a hard AI, right? That we could end up in a Terminator type scenario. Uh, but now I don't think that's possible. I think it's. I think uh, you know, and I do look at it from a Christian worldview. Uh, in that anything that we create can't be, you know, greater than us, just like we can't be a God or be greater than God, you know? So the artificial intelligence is, is only as good as the person who's programmed it. It'll never truly be sentient, you know, and so sentient. So I don't know. I, I would love to hear your opinion on that. You know, I go back and forth. Is technology really as advanced as they say? Is it 80 years in the future or is it only maybe five or 10 years in the future of that? And they've had a law of diminishing returns. Mm. I don't know. I'd like to think that. And I certainly think, you know, the ultimate expression of that degeneration would be a bomb. Like the way you just put it, it makes me think like, you know, if you really wanted to try to get one over on God in that Luciferian way, you would do it with a giant bomb. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, you'd try to rip apart God's creation, literally. And, and maybe they couldn't succeed, but maybe we're, we're living through the uh, wave, the ripples of that event. I really think that, you know, the nuclear site and a lot of what I'm saying now comes from uh, Michael Hoffman, who's been on this show, uh, his works, uh, Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare and Twilight Language sort of broached this theory that, you know, something occult went on with those nuclear testings. Yeah. And there was other events in that time frame. You know, you have the Montauk Project that followed. You have the Philadelphia Experiment that preceded. And all of this uh, in an area, in areas that are energetically significant, right? The Los Alamos, where they blew up the bomb at the Trinity test site, that was on a road called the, the Journey of Death. This is a road that people had walked down for, you know, vision quest purposes for possibly thousands of years. You know, it had a spiritual significance. I mean, think of it like the way people walk in Spain uh, around the uh, holy, uh, what's it called, uh, El Camino, right? And it kind of had that effect. And then we look at the Philadelphia experiment. Philadelphia is essentially the, the birthplace of this country. The Philadelphia experiment started with 
Penn's experiment, Penn's holy experiment to let any religion, you know, come and <laughs> live in Pennsylvania. And what did that do? Well, I think it invited a lot of uh, weird cults, if anything. I mean, you look at the the groups of, of strange... Uh, I can't say you're wrong. I can't say you're wrong. Right. Well, and we were talking about theosophy before. It seems like the 1800s and 1700s of the United States, I mean, it was full of these occultists in a way. I mean, there was these spiritualists that... Uh, we're also present with the Theosophists up here in, in New England, where I live. We had the Transcendentalists, which, I mean, that's evolved into some really strange stuff that Stephen's co- uh, covering with his look into or his research into David Lynch, right, and this whole um, religion he's a part of. But, yeah, not to get too sidetracked, I, I do think that there is an occult purpose behind these technologies that supersede this myth of progress that we're told about and maybe that's because of the diminishing returns that they have to give us this myth of progress to you know continue their uh black budget money grabs i mean the, think about all the the money that goes into these things and they're doing the same thing with the environment now you know creating a money yeah. hole out of that so yeah i want to read something from you from barbara barks hubbard real quick awesome. um she says, just as Cro-Magnon and Neanderthal humans become extinct, so will selfish humans. This is necessary for their temperament is not viable. The selfish cannot inherit the powers of co-creation. So these are the powers that she lists that, quote, unquote, puts us equal with God, okay, which I think is blasphemy, but she truly believes this. Mm-hmm. She says, which in their state of consciousness would amount to the powers of self-destruction. The selfish were to inherit the evolutionary capacities, early ex- aspects of crisis ability, Nuclear energy, biotechnology, longevity, self-replicating machines, the power to build new worlds, etc. They would self-destruct in the process, destroy the hold. Why do the selfish exist at all? Why are not why are not all children of God ready to graduate to heirs of God? The answer is freedom. We're endowed by our creator with one basic inalienable right, the freedom to follow the will of God and or to ignore it and become extinct. So she says the will is to be like God or to be God, to co-create with God. And in doing so, it's nuclear energy, biotechnology, longevity, and self-replicated uh, machines and the powers to build new worlds. And then later, she goes on the same chapter to discuss messenger RNA also falling into that. And that messenger RNA almost having, uh, calling it self-transcending molecules, and the will of the DNA. Well, what are we seeing today with mRNA shots and the trouble that that is causing? So she's literally laying the playbook right here. Now, I don't believe Revelation of the Method, which actually is, if you look at it from a theosophical standpoint, it's for them to wash their karma away. I don't believe in karma. I think we reap what you sow, but I don't think it's, it's, it's in the way that the theosophists put. But I will say this. I do think that they do write, put a lot of what's going to happen in their writing, and in in their um, and I guess in the writings or television shows or or their forms of media to this day, as a way of it to kind of stick into your subconscious, into your mind, and have you think and mull around these ideas as a way of kind of uh, breaking down your resistance to them if you're constantly exposed to them, right? And so, and it doesn't work on everybody. You know, there's there's certain methods that they use, psychographical, psychological, and spiritual warfare that may appeal to one person that may not appeal to another. For example, 
you know, uh, money or drugs or sex met, you know, may appeal to someone, but may not appeal to another person. Um, and so, you know, they do it by these uh, various mechanisms of kind of giving the playbook out in the public as a way of almost wearing you down so that you accept it. Does that make any sense? Mm, mm. Yeah. Well, it's, it's processing. It's like an entrainment, a conditioning and, it's yeah. interesting that, you know, Pavlov and uh, B.F. Skinner, I mean, these experiments that they did preceded uh, the modern media in a lot of ways. And uh, people are very familiar, I'm sure, with Edward Bernays and his work yep. and, and how he connects to Netflix through his nephew and how <laughs> he was a nephew That's of crazy. Freud. It's crazy. Right. You know, it's yeah. like it all adds up. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it never ends, you know, and uh, the amount of propaganda. I mean, hey, I, I I watch my fair share of television to numb my brain from doing all this research. I'm not proud of it to admit it, but it is what it is, <laughs> you know, and everybody has their way of of, of escaping to right. some degree. And mine just happens to be mindless television, mm. you know, but I mean, through the World Future Society, which Barbara Har Marks Hubbard helped found, which Marion Petty helped found. They controlled modern day uh, um, science fiction, uh, which plays a role in discordianism. It plays a role in a alternative reality games. It plays a role in the framework of reality that we see today that a lot of us grew up with and a lot of us adopted, whether we realize it or not. I mean, you know, members of the World Future Society that would have played that role uh, and that would, would include, you mentioned B.F. Skinner. That's what made me think. He was a World Future Society member. Uh, Arthur C. Clarke, you know, the author of 2001, uh, uh, Brian, uh, was, was a science fiction writer and a co-writer to 2001 A Space Odyssey. Um, uh, Isaac Asimov, um, Leonard Nimoy, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Ray Bradbury, uh, who wrote a, a Fahrenheit uh, 451, um, uh, Stanley Kubrick, um, you know, th these people, uh, Gene Roddenberry, th these people, you know, influenced our modern day, you know, beliefs of, of, of science fiction and of, and of science, you know, Abraham Maslow, uh, Maslow, the hierarchy of needs, uh, you know, and these are the people that we know were in the world future society. What about the people that we know that are, you know, and, and of course with Neil deGrasse Tyson and, and Carl Sagan, uh, you have the modern formation of, uh, what I like to call science TM, right. Or trust the science, you know? Mm. And so they have all grounds covered there, of of the steering of what we believe science fiction into science fact and the the melding of both of those coming together and to trust the science of what you know what we have today you know right yeah from keeping up with the Jones to keeping up with the Jetsons you know that's yep. kind of the the processing through media and so many people were just lockstep with this latest I call it the uh, you know, medical malpractice uh, movement uh, because they had been entrained their whole lives from birth that the hospital is your friend. It's a place of health. It's a place of uh, healing. And I mean, really, if you if you go in there with a with an unwashed brain, you see that there's a lot of suffering and a lot of unnecessary suffering at that. So, yeah. so yeah, and I'm sure you're well aware of that with your your looks into the health conspiracies of our day. And you know, I think all of that is inextricably 
tethered together because you know we mentioned skull and bones a couple times i'm sure you know their role in in smuggling opium into this country for many years and i've even suspected that this is a sort of british ongoing war where you know obviously the revolution didn't quite free us from them but they've still had a sort of uh spite uh, uh a grudge to against us and and they've been using institutions like harvard and yale which are essentially just clones of oxford and cambridge you know as uh ways to infiltrate the reins of power here in america and even uh you know to succumb the the elite into their grasp and i think you know maybe the the original founders of this country had good ideas and and maybe some of our titans of industry were well-meaning hard-working people but uh, I think they all got uh, sort of co-opted by this corporatist technocratic scheme. You know, if yeah. there were any renegades, any cowboy millionaires or billionaires, uh, I don't think they have much play or sway anymore. You know, that seems or some to... of them get duped. I mean, that's how I look at Mike Lindell, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think he's extremely nefarious in his beliefs, but I think he's been duped in under severe, heavy mind control and spiritual warfare, mm-hmm. you know? And so, I mean, yeah, there's probably a few, I would say probably maybe a few millionaires. I wouldn't go as far as say billionaires that were our guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, but no. you know, I, <laughs> you, you know, I, 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 I don't know. I, I think majority of the founding fathers were flawed. A lot of them were Masons and Deists, and mm. and, and even I have to say Thomas Paine was was, was almost <laughs> Satanist. But you know, I I do think that there were some that men mean meant well. Like Patrick Henry, he wanted the uh, Bill of Rights to be uh, incorporated within the Constitution of the United States of America. Um, you know, and and so I. But again, I do think this country overall. Uh, was an an elite prototype for the Great Awakening, the New Atlantis, as they called it. Um, and uh, so they wanted a, on the appearance, a libertine society. Uh, and so, uh, they, you know, that's what I think the beast system of the Book of Revelation within the Bible uh, foretells it to be is kind of a libertine uh, society uh, where pretty much anything goes. You know, you'll you'll we'll suffer through the Great Reset. We'll have nothing, but at the end, the Great Awakening with Nasara Gasara, you know, you'll have all the the money that your little heart ever desires that you can do with whatever you want with. But it's going to cost you, you know, your 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 soul uh, by taking the mark of the beast. You know, and so you know, most conspiracy culture, we were told that the uh the the new world order was going to be to- totalitarian the bible doesn't say that the bible puts that the old world order is totalitarian and that the new world order is going to come as benevolent now it will be totalitarian but it's going to come as benevolent as satan appears as an angel of light so it's going to come as a good thing uh but it's anything but um, and we can kind of see it setting its way up there now with who's your favorite billionaire? Who's fighting for you, right? Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, uh, you know, Donald Trump, you know. So who who's your favorite elitist fighting for you, right? You know, and so they're kind of setting that up. Whether or not it comes to fruition, whether or not we're living in the end times, you know, you know, the, 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 well, Jesus said when we won't know, the, no one knows the time or the season except for the Father, which is God, but. It sure looks like it more and more. And so, you know, I, it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think Hillary Clinton's going to run again for president. 
I think Biden's done. I think it's going to be Trump versus Hillary again. I thought that was going to happen in 2020, but I was mistaken. I admit that. Um, but I think it's really going to happen this time because, and, and you know, what would divide the country more? Um, and I, you know, I do believe that Trump will win. I do believe Trump is the Antichrist, likely the Antichrist foretold the book of Revelation. I'm not saying with 100% confidence or God told me. I just think it's it's quite possible. Um, they're already trying to build the third temple in Israel now. Um, and, you know, we'll see. You know, there's a possibility that Hillary Clinton could win. And then there's a second American Civil War that that further break you know breaks us down, and and uh, Trump somehow manages to seize power that way, you know. I mean, the CMP, they're pushing a con con a constitutional convention, which George Soros is also pushing for that. You have the Koch family, you have Soros, the right and the left. Because I look at the world order like a bird, you know, like like an eagle. You have the right wing, you have the left wing, but there's still one bird, right? And so you have both elitist factions coming together, say we need to put forth the constitutional conventions so the states can vote on these specific amendments. And when you read the amendments like term limits for senators and House of Representative members, that doesn't sound bad, right? But then you're like, okay, so what do they tell you? These three things. Oh, yeah, we'll give you these three things. But we didn't tell you the 10 or 15 or 20 other things we're going to vote for. And then we have a whole entire new constitution and a new bill of rights at that point. And then what does the world look like at that point? You know, and Mark Meckler is going on Tucker and Tucker's like, oh, this is a great, this is a good deal. We need to do this. And I'm like, no, oh. I mean, does it, it doesn't sound good to, to you, right, Mark? I mean, oh. to me, it doesn't sound that great. For them, for the elites to be able to vote on new amendments or to t totally change the Constitution or the Bill of Rights at this point in time of the, of the world, in the world that we live in. You know, if the founding fathers were flawed, imagine how flawed they are now, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, that's, that's just the way I look at it. No, that's distressing. I, I agree with you. And I'm curious, you know, given the, the outcome that very well may be Trump or Hillary, uh, it does seem like they operate within different factions that are a part of the same bird, but are, you know, two wings of the same bird. But do you think it, it, it's because I recently came across a guy who puts and he's a Vedic astrologer, so I don't know whether or not you would agree with this or not. But he says that it's Luciferians versus Malachians. Right, like people who worship Lucifer versus people who worship Moloch, and I had never heard this dichotomy before. Somebody put it that way. Maybe this is yeah. the first time you're hearing it like this. But the way I've you... heard it like that before, yeah. But okay. but go on. I'm curious to see what he said. Well, and that's really all I remember enough to recall now. But uh, I I guess it was inspired by what you're saying about the Theosophists and the Lucius Trust, and this seems like a sort of Luciferian, uh, explicitly Luciferian group there. Uh, and I wonder if maybe Trump represents uh, one or the other, and it's really like, you know, the lesser of two evils, which I really don't think you should even compare them at that, because, I mean, Hillary winning would, as you say, probably lead to a civil war. So, yeah. 
I mean, I never. I mean, you, if you're voting for the lesser of the two evils, you're still voting for evil, right? Right, exactly. Because <laughs> they're both, I, I, you know, screwing around with Epstein. So <laughs> they're yeah, both evil. And, and I mean, the way I look at it, both sides of the world order, you know, uh, answer to, to 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 Satan one way or another, right? So. Um, you know, and, and neither one of them are for us, whether it's the old world order or the new order. And God's ultimately sovereign and in control. They ultimately have to answer to God. Uh, but, you know, it's it's still the people of the old world order may think that their way is best. And the people of the new world order might think that their way is best. But ultimately, the you know, the Bible talks about the old world order is destroyed by the new. Uh, the, the, the the harlot is devoured by the beast and the beast system rises. Um, and if you're looking at it from a parapolitical standpoint, it would be the Zionist Jesuit world order with the crown too as well. You know, it'd be multiple factions, okay? A puppeting America is the world's police. That's the old world order. Okay, currently in its its present day um, iteration, America has the has the position of the quote unquote top dog, right? Versus the multipolar world order of of the BRICS nations, mm. and so you have unipolar world order versus multipolar world order. So you'll have Dugan, you'll have Bannon. Uh, they'll they'll talk about it in those terms, right? And they'll talk about. Um, I think Bannon actually is unipolar. Uh, like if we're doing kind of like uh, like you said, a lesser of the two evils or a lesser of the three evils. You, know, you have Carvalho who passed away. You had Dugan. You had Bannon. I despise Stephen Kedemy Bannon. I pray for him. I despise him though as a human being. He's a fallen man. Needs a savior. But at least don't think that he completely 100% despises America where Dugan does. So, you know, it's like Steve, Stephen Kennedy Bannon, and I really don't want us to don't even use this term. He's our Discordian, <laughs> you know? And so the unipolar world serves a purpose. Um, we're American citizens. We benefit from that. Um, but there, there is a transition and there's a war and I think it will happen biblically. Obviously the, the, the transition to the multipolar world order will happen. Uh, but in that day, you know, United States will look radically different because we no longer will have the perception of being number one. Uh, and we'll lose, you know, we will go from a first world nation to almost a second or a third world nation at that point. All, all of the world will be leveled to the same playing field in a multipolar world order. Um, have you ever heard of that? Have you ever heard it being framed like that before? No, ever? Uh, no this is a, a great introduction. I may have heard you talk about it like this on a more recent uh, stream of yours. But yeah, it, it, it's and maybe I'm taking us down a tangent. I'll, I should pause and let you say what you're planning on saying unless you didn't have something no that that's about it yeah. i mean I, and i'm not excusing the crimes of the united states government or the crimes of the zionist jesuit british world order or the, the the unipolar world order the old world order i'm not the bible says we are to rejoice when the new world order destroys the old world order uh but I, you know i still nonetheless 
um, there is a certain amount of benefit with America being an American, uh, American having the perception of being the world's police and being, you know, number one. Uh, and, you know, my friend from Mark from Isotonic Live used to frame it like this, Mark, real quick. Maybe 9-11 and the anthrax attacks, anthrax attacks was a pre-run for the pandemic. Okay, and there was kind of like the struggle right then and there, right? And the old world order ran, won with the forever war in uh, in Iraq and Afghanistan. Okay, they were able to manage to get the planes. They they kind of scrambled, and maybe they did. Maybe this was all supposed to be the way it is. But let's just say for a minute it wasn't. Okay, and the old world order, the unipolar world order, the elite that backed that, they called an audible. All right, because Rumsfeld works for the new big pharma, very much big, you know, biomedical. Okay, comes out and said, there's money missing. There's money missing, all right? And then 9-11 happens, right? But we were all told it was to, to to cover up, you know, this big reveal, right? But what if that wasn't true? What if it was to stop the plans for a major bioterror attack of anthrax in the United States to do their own pandemic back then in, tw- in 2001, Instead, the old world order was able to hold on for a little bit more power, a little bit longer with their forever wars. I mean, w- which one would you want? Again, you're ch- you're choosing the rest of the two evils, and I can't really even make a choice here. It's still horrific. But which one is it? Is it the global forever wars or the total fruition of a pandemic totalitarian bio state? Mm-hmm. Which one? Yeah, and and. On that note, I mean, it seems like the forever wars certainly have uh, existed as long as America has. I mean, we, we're a nation perpetually at war to a certain extent. But over the past, what, since the Gulf War, uh, it seems like there's been, and maybe even earlier with Iran-Contra and all that, there's been this effort to take out the countries in the Middle East by that old world order. And it seems to have a religious sort of... Uh, agenda too with this rebuilding the temples this zionism and uh yeah. the 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 part about the multipolar world order really fascinates me because dugan is connected to something that has really swept the internet youtube podcasts tiktok instagram i mean this is this alternate history theory yeah that tartaria this russian you know super civilization was once here in america and you have all these british guys like you know such and such who go on youtube and they're looking at you know courthouses and federal buildings in the united states and they're going oh yeah look this is old world you know dumb americans couldn't have built that and it's like are you kidding me like i could go to my local library I could find pictures of them building some of these buildings. It's not that That's true, yes. Yeah, you know, yes. it's really it wasn't that long ago that some of these really great buildings were built. So they had cameras, they were able to show. And I, I don't you know, I'm not dissuading people from looking into Tartaria or, or the World's Fairs, because those are certainly interesting. But it seems like there was a concerted effort to propagandize history and, and make people you know, feel like, oh, maybe we're our American history isn't real. And to me, that's I mean, that's just explicitly <laughs> propaganda. There's so much propaganda already in our American history. But I mean, come on, we could look up when buildings were built. That's not that's so far fetched to me. But our, but our grandparents, our great grandparents are dying. So we can't ask them. Right. <laughs> well, and that's essentially another crisis here in America, too. The elderly, you know, connection is fractured in a lot of communities and in some places 
like my family, we have my grandmother who still lives in a, uh, mm. our house with us. But on the other side of my family, my dad's side of my family, my great grandmother, she had to spend her final years in a, a home. And, you know, it's it, at that point, you don't really, you're not really connected to the person anymore in the same way. And it's, it's very sad, but I think that's a, a American crisis we're going through right now. Yeah. I mean, I did, I, you probably heard the show I did with Wayne McCroy, um, on Tartaria, mm. uh, which I used to be completely 100% bought in hook, line and sinker, like mud floods and looking into it and stuff like that and everything. Like I was, you know, I was, I, but I start, you know, when, when you know, my, my mindset kind of changed on it when I had kind of like the same thinking that you did and started realizing, okay, so I don't believe in Atlantis and Lumeria anymore. You know, I was a new ager. I definitely did. But now as a born again Christian, it really doesn't fit a biblical timeline. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, so Tartaria kind of, and I, it kind of builds upon those ancient civilizations, but this one not so ancient, right? It's just been more hidden from us, you know, because of a calamity that only happened a, a few centuries ago uh, with with the global worldwide mud flood. And I was like, okay, so how far back does this go? So I started researching on Google and Godlike Productions and everything, and I started noticing, I was like, wait a minute, it's not really people, like, I I, when I grew up with, you know, listening to Coast to Coast AM with my father and look, Coast to Coast AM, you heard everything under under the sun on Coast to Coast AM. OK, so our, you know, some of the our bell, listen, our bell is some of the most entertaining radio that's ever existed in the history of radio broadcasting. OK, but I don't remember blood floods in Tartaria. Mm. Do you? I mean, the only guy who was writing about anything quite like that during Art Bell's day was Velikovsky, and his books don't really uh, focus too much on what the Tartaria propaganda seems to focus on. He had, yeah. he had a different theory that's been kind of, pro, I don't want to say hijacked, because maybe he was sort of, if he was alive today, he would think differently, but it seems like they've kind of taken his work and made it fit into a certain bias that they had. But other than Yeah, that, I mean no. the the Discordians do that a lot with the kind of um the breaking down of remembering of certain things and the breaking down of history to the point where you don't even know the, the, the kind of the breaking down of, of of existence but from a generational point of view, right? So that's mm-hmm. how we get uh, the Mandela effect of whether or not it's real or not, or even in and of itself is a form of Discordianism. Uh, you know, um, I go back and forth on that. Uh, and so it's with, you know, like with Tartaria, like I was saying is, is when I started going into search engines and trying to say, okay, so modern day representation of the, how far does it go back? Not that far. Only a few years. Right. And especially started picking up steam around the Trump 2016 2015 time mm-hmm. and i was like okay that 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 that's that's odd that's 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 a little that's a little weird um and then you know you start you know looking at oh well russia has their own kind of view like like every society has this view of a utopian society right you know and and um then then you have dugan dismissing it but at the same time validating it and it's like okay well that's that's kind of discreet. Someone wanted that degree, you know, where you're like, oh no, I did. 
you know, you could say say it's gaslighting, but you know, when it comes from Dugan, the chaos magician, who knows when he's trying to to break reality to mold it into his his own will, right? Which I think is ludicrous; it can't happen. But he's trying to tip to do so anyway. So, um, but you know, it, it, it ends up being that way. Like if you don't know your history, if you don't know where you come from, and look, I'm not saying that everything you crack open a history book, history is written by the victors, okay? I'm not saying that when you crack open a history book, everything's completely accurate, all right? But we have to have some sort of, to, bo- to borrow a, a phrase from my friend Jimmy Jean, there has to be some sort of, of an agreement reality. Because if that doesn't exist, then we don't have a basis of a civilization. And the Discordians have done everything they possibly can to destroy that. Because then there won't be a civilization. They can build it and mold it. And I'll have to, and you know, I don't, you know, George Orwell is an elitist, but he wasn't necessarily wrong in 1984. You know, I think that the New World Order will look more like a brave new world, but he wasn't wrong in 1984 of the destruction of history and, and re, you know, you know, who controlled the past net controls the future, you know, building it up into whatever they want it to be. Right. And so, that seems like what they're trying to do with the Tartaria mythos. Now, I would say they're also using it as a way of pushing people into New Ageism and Theosophy, okay? But, you know, I would say that from a Christian perspective, but they're using it as a way to push the Great Awakening and to push their belief of history in the, any way that they see fit, you know? And it's very dangerous thinking because then you start going, okay, is anything real? And then and again, then that, that leads to you remember when um Neil deGrasse Tyson, World Future Society member, uh also uh you know went to a Glenn Maxwell party with RFK Jr. uh during the mid two thousand and tens, you know, it's kind of you know part of that scientism uh um Jeffrey Epstein type nexus. Uh, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson said, you know, oh, we're just assimilation in a snot nosed kid's alien basement. Well, doesn't that kind of debase reality and existence at that point? You know, God's creation, you know, at that point, you know, it it, 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 it debases that into just ones and zeros. Uh, and then at that point, you can add in nihilism of why does anything matter at that point, you know? And so they're trying to push that. I don't want to say Gnostic, but kind of like the world is materially evil or the world doesn't exist. So you have to transcend the world type message. And a lot of that's with Tartaria. Is, is, is just, it goes along with the destruction of history, because if you don't know who you are and you don't know where you come, but you came from, then what's real and what's not. And so they tried to achieve that through many different ways. I mean, there was a finder's ARG, for example, that a lot of people aren't aware of that existed in the modern time. Now, did the finder's operation run it? I don't think so. But the government did to bring awareness to the finders, uh, just like because every because there's a lot of awareness. Okay, I'll ask you this. When I remember in late 2008 or nine trying to tell people about the Bilderberg group and being laughed in my face. Now people are open to hearing stuff like that. Right. Right. Their, their trust in the surety of society has gone down. You know, I think people, 
in the conspiracy community took that for granted, how uh, a community has been kept together by the people who are bl- blind to the reality. And maybe that's because the elite have pushed us into this position where, mm-hmm. you know, we've kind of done it to ourselves, right? We, 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 by pointing them out, <clears throat> we give uh, power to their acts. But, uh, yeah, it's it's really insidious with the tartaria thing because it's it's getting people to discount i think you know their connection to where they're from and where you know what it means to be uh connected to your ancestors to your you know your forefathers the people who put you here you know i I mean no matter where you you find yourself in the world uh this kind of stuff especially with the simulation theory and the simulacrum and all this Gnostic yeah. techno-gnosticism. I've really, yeah. I've really grown to dislike it because, you know, I'm someone who loves nature. I'm someone who loves being outside and, you know, enjoying God's creation, right? And, and I feel like to call this digital matrix a virtual reality is Mm -hmm. an absolute oxymoron because it's not there's nothing virtual about it it's it's absolutely fake it's abstract it's it's artificial and you know these elites used to value artificial but uh no i think we're we're sort of waking up to uh, a different perspective uh, a perspective that's closer to god's creation i hope tartaria can wake people out of that you know in a sort of in the way it did for us where we sort of looked at it and scratched our heads and said because initially for me i looked at a lot of the native american history that i was already aware of and i said well how could any of this exist if the tartarians were here like wouldn't the native americans have like talked about the the age of the steam train people and all this other crap that people in tartaria try to tell you that was in here in America. I mean, it just sounds ludicrous when you look at what they say about uh, this country, you know? But why couldn't we have grand architecture? I mean, I understand that architecture and art has degenerated through discordianism and through um, other methods um, into postmodernism or post-postmodernism the way it is now where it's completely doesn't represent hardly anything anymore, just chaos and destruction and pain and hurt, you know? And um, so I can understand if someone looks, you know, at our architecture of modern era and go, okay, so how in the world did they ever build (laughs) anything significant, you know, but, but there were significant buildings that were, were made by our grandparents and our great grandparents, you know, and, and um, I don't know if we're ever going to, I mean, the Bible talks about the world progressively getting worse. I don't think we're ever going to truly be able to go back to that. Um, and it, it is it is sad. You know, you can see like well, the artist Kandinsky, his his paintings, at least the ones that reached out to me, were before um, uh, Nazi occupation of, of, of Germany uh, because, you know, he did a lot of impressionist art and just a lot of beautiful paintings of people interacting with one another and public settings and, 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 uh, you know, embracing and showing true humanity through art. Right. You know, but it later turned into, you know, what would be considered to be uh, modernist aspects. And you look at Ken Ditsky's latest, uh, you know, his, his, his later paintings, 
And they went from being, you know, art that you can look at and you can feel and you can you can almost put yourself in that the position of the people that you're looking at into abstract, completely discordian thought, you know? And so, you, you know, Kandinsky is just kind of like a, a small example of what's happened to greater culture uh, throughout the world. Um, and, and that, you know, because uh, of kind of like this pushing that nothing matters, they're the different flavors and the different methods of what they do it, right? Whether uh, all of God's creation is evil or all of God's creation is assimilation, depending on whatever flavor they want to use by whatever mechanism they want to use. Um, that beauty, they've tried to tarnish it and try to destroy it and try to co-opt it. And hopefully that makes sense of what, what I'm trying to say, but you know, and, and it's, it's, it's quite sad. You know, I, I feel, I feel for my kids, you know, I feel for generation Z and, you know, generation uh, alpha, because look, look how bad it is for us millennials. You know, I mean, it's getting hard to even as much. As I like watching TV. It's really getting difficult, man, to enjoy anything anymore. And I'm really not that old. It's not like I'm 70 on my porch yelling at the kids going by on their hoverboards, you know, I'm 37 but movies have not been good for a while, or am I the only one? And maybe I'm maybe I'm in the minority in that regard, and maybe I am a crotchety old man yelling at people to get out of my lawn. But there's only a movie you see one, you know, every now and then that you're like, you know what, that's a good movie. But growing up, you know, I mean, maybe you're wrong. It just seems to me that media has even as if our form has degraded itself further. Mm-hmm. Um, you may disagree with me on that. Um, but it's just, it's just how I look at things of, of the, co- co- the co- continuing collapse of, of, of society and the world at large, mm. you know, and, and, um, it's sad, you know, I, I teach school, you know, I tell my students, um, you know, I, I don't tell them that they can be anything they want to be, you know, that's, that was the generation slide that was told us but i you know i i teach you know you can be president one day if you try hard enough <laughs> you know that's another but 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 i do teach at a christian school and i try to get the point across to them because every outlet's telling them otherwise you were created by god you were made in god's image and you are unique because everything else is telling them the exact opposite their life doesn't matter that they're nothing that they're a part of a simulation, they're ones and zeros, or that they're they're completely one hundred percent worthless, and it's sad. Yeah, which really are a nihilistic culture at this point, right? In a lot of ways, right? It's 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 very very upsetting, you know, to see kids sort of um, devaluing themselves in comparison to others and putting these, you know, celebrity, (laughs) evil, sadistic people up on these pedestals, you know, and uh, especially like uh, my family who thinks I'm crazy, you know, they, they love me and all that. But when it, if I ever try to make any suggestions about like, oh, my cousin's kids or anything like that, I just feel very like, stepping over my bounds but there are things that i see them do as parents i mean they're great parents but there's things that i see them do that i'm like oh all right i don't think i'm going to do that when i eventually have kids because it's just i grew up with that uh technology and uh 
I don't know, maybe as a 28-year-old man looking at like a 12-year-old playing with a, a phone, I get really weirded out because I'm like, oh, shoot, I remember how much that changed my life when I was 16, 17, 18, yeah. and how different my life was when I was 14, 15, 13, and I had the house phone to call my friends, you know, and and like the fact that they don't even are, they're not even going to have a memorable a connection to what it was like before that. I remember kinda, a phone number. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, I remember my grandparents' phone numbers, both of yeah, them. Yeah, me too. You know, and it's like, I don't think I can even call one of those numbers anymore, but uh, it's still up there in the in the brain bank. <laughs> but imagine how much we, 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 we remove that, you know? I mean, even for you, I'm older than you uh, by about nine, ten years, so my... Uh, me coming in contact with the smartphone really didn't happen into my mid twenties, mm. you know? So when you're talking about cell phones, when I was 18, yeah, I had a flip phone that couldn't even connect to the internet. <laughs> yeah. You know, so uh, just that span of time, man, I mean, we're both millennials, even though I'm the, I'm on the cuss of Gen X, you know, but like, it's, yeah. It's sad because when I teach these kids and I see them now, a lot of them, there's a lot. I mean, we had celebrity worship and idol worship, too. Let's be real here. We can't say that we didn't. Okay. But it has gone to a next level for them because they want, they have a greater, with with the kind of like the technology, they have a greater ability to, I know I said to say this, when they become older, pour themselves out to the world. Because that's what being on social media, we're all doing it to some degree, right? Like, let's be real here. But they, you ask them, what do you want to be? And majority of them are like, I want to be in a social influencer. I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be a, make TikToks. Mm. Majority of them. And if they're constantly in the limelight, very few of them are ever going to make it. Most of them are going to burn out. Most of them are just giving the world all of their all of their day-to-day -day info that, of their lives. You know, into into the beast, into the collective system. You know, and it's kind of sad, man. You know, it's 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 sad, and I I, I it, you you can see through the writings of a lot of the theosophists, a lot of the futurists, they kind of praise and glorify that. You know, they talk about fighting against arrogancy and being humble, but. That's not what they push, you know? And so it's kind of false in that regard. Um, and, you know, I really despise the we live in a matrix, nothing matters, or even something that came out a, a little, uh, another version of that that came out a little while ago is that we died in 2012. <laughs> Yeah, that's that goes right with the YOLO crap. I mean, I don't know. I I don't believe in uh, in really anything that I've been sort of exposed to through uh, New Age anymore. Uh, aside from maybe an afterlife, which there's a lot of vagueness around that. But yeah, it it feels like people are being integrated so deeply into the technological sphere that that worldview is natural to them now. Like people I've heard on comedy podcasts who, you know, comedians, they could be smart, yeah. they could be 
sort of not smart. There's a whole range of variety of people that become comedians, but I've heard them have like honest, like realizations in the moment of like, yeah, it is kind of like a computer simulation. And, you know, people are, it's like a novelty, like, oh, wow, that's neat. And I mean, when you look at that from a different lens, it's really sinister. It kind of reminds me of Hegel uh, from the University of Berlin, where he sort of saw everything as dead, you know, dead matter. And we're just sort of in this process of dying consistently. And, and, when you look at the world as a process of death rather than a cycle of life, you you can be easily fooled by things like this, or you can succumb to these sort of uh, manipulations and integrate your life into technology. I think none of this would be possible to a, a society that was in a deeper connection with the landscape and a deeper connection with God, with the creation. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I uh, would definitely say that if if this wouldn't have happened to our grandparents uh, or great grandparents, they had a, a greater connection with God the Father, and you know, and 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 I, you know, I, and it had a more semblance of of, of reality uh, of of God's creation than what most people have now, uh, which is kind of like this artificial digital simulation, transhumanist hell. You know, the Institute of Noetic Sciences, uh, which was funded a lot by the Council for National Policy and the uh, the Family and the Fellowship, kind of like these quote-unquote right-wing, supposedly Christian think tanks, but they 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 uh, funded this very huge theosophical uh, society where we get a lot of our modern-day uh, beliefs of like the intention or the law of one from a quantum mechanics perspective, uh, you know, trying to push the observational fear theory field theory uh, uh, beyond what quantum mechanics says that you could pretty much, uh, if you, you know, you got to believe like Parappa the Rapper, you know, you know, whatever happens, you're able to manifest it into, uh, into, 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 into reality, the law of one, which isn't even a law because you can't make it happen, uh, you know, (laughs) majority of the time, you know, so, but, but anyway, this two of our sciences, you know, they kind of push the forefront um, of kind of the Da Vinci Code with Dan Brown, you know, uh, Dan Brown uh, in the same book, um, uh, you know, puts forth its two ethic sciences as the good guys and Freemasons as the good guy in the lost symbol. You know, the Freemasons are the hero and the Institute of Sciences are the heroes. And so, you know, this collective group, which, you know, Barbara Marks Hubbard's praised them. It was founded by former astronaut who pushes the alien, fake alien evasion and space aliens, Edgar Mitchell and uh, Paul Temple. So you have the Templeton Fund, uh, which, you know, um, Templeton Fund is kind of like a right wing fund, but they're also funding, um, uh, you know, theosophy, theosophy and and, uh, uh, you know, there's two direct sciences and the Rockefellers, you know, the Rockefellers were originally Baptist. Uh, and then, you know, they're funding a lot of the new age, uh, and Gnosticism as well. I mean, that was one of the things that, that knocked me out of, 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 of Gnosticism was when I found out that Nag Hammadi library, uh, digs and scroll translations and preservations and propagations were paid primarily by the Rockefellers. I mean, Elaine Pales, the Gnostic scholar herself, the, one of the primary ones, was was uh, won numerous Rockefeller awards. It was Rockefeller-funded. Uh, you know, and I even asked uh, Miguel Connor uh, this straight up, and he admitted that I, I was right. Um, but, you know, but she got it wrong. She tried to steer Gnosticism into feminism, 
which, you know, let's be real here, Gnosticism is a very broad idea of differing beliefs. There are many different Gnostics that even existed before um, the formation of, of Christianity. Uh, and so, you know, but in its modern inception, you know, it's modern propagation, you know, what Gnosticism as we know of it now, you know, the reprinting of, of, of the Gnostic literature, that's all Rockefeller funded and propagate, propagated. Um, and so that that made me that made me really question things. That made me take a pause and step back and be like, okay, what am I missing? And then I realized, wait a minute, the elite, they believe this stuff and they practice this type of religion that God's creation is evil, that God is evil. You know, they 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 believe that. Um, and so, you know, I, that was one of the things that led me to, you know, to God, to Jesus, um, as being, you know, Jesus saying he's the way, the truth and the life, uh, was because of that. Um, and you know, I, for years, for years, I mean, I, 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 I practiced uh, white magic. I practiced intention magic. Um, I, uh, um, practiced, uh, um, uh, transcendental meditation, uh, I've used uh, many psychedelics throughout my life. I <laughs> uh, have not in 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 over a decade ever since my wife and I decided to become sober once we had kids. Uh, but I had previously beforehand, you know. And I I once had very strong Gnostic New Age Theosophical beliefs. It was the core of my uh, belief system. I no longer have those. Um, and a lot of it was sitting down, and a lot of New Agers don't do this, but some of them do, sitting down and actually reading what these people are saying from a modern standpoint or even from a past standpoint. You know, what what is Barbara Marks Hubbard saying? What is Alice Bailey saying? What is Madame Blavatsky saying? What is Albert Pike saying? What is Paracelsus saying? And so on and so forth. You know, actually sitting down and realizing, oh, they're all saying the same thing. They're just slightly changing the lingo to their audience or slightly changing their lingo because of the time period of which they're saying. And that's what that's ultimately why I abandoned that belief system was because it couldn't be true at the point. If this is what the elites really truly practice and believe, then I can't truly practice and believe that if I think I'm against them, right? And I know a lot of people would argue with me about that, and I understand that, you know, and um, I'm coming out of a place of love and not of a place of condemnation because I used to wholeheartedly believe this true hook, line, and sinker. There's many of my friends that can attest to this. Um, but everywhere I turn now, I see it being pushed as a doctrine by the elite, you know, and uh, from all sides, from the right and the left, people that say they're Christian. Uh, another example is Rod D. Martin, who is one of the uh, quote unquote godfathers, if not the godfather of PayPal. He was in the inner circle of the CMP, the Arlington Group. He was in the executive committee of the CMP. Uh, there, he was a he wrote a book, like a pamphlet. Uh, kind of like a pay a, a, a play on the project for the new American century, which, which was called the new American century. In that blurb had had uh, quotes by Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, father of the atomic bomb, Edward Teller, who was a CNP member who supposedly ran his own blackmail ring, Mark, 
in Hollywood called Teller's Boys, okay, is what it was called, all right? Um, Mike Huckabee, CMP, who uh, uh, um, Rodney Martin was a uh, advisor to. But what I'm getting at is, is Musk, especially Teal, Teal said PayPal, the whole entire PayPal mafia, everything that has ever came from it would not have happened if it was not for Rodney Martin. And no one, mostly no one's never heard of this man. And he, on his bio, he claims to be a born-again Christian, but he also says he's a futurist. And all he does, for the most part, from what I've seen, is preach futurism. He is the guy behind the PayPal mafia. Wow. Yeah, geez, this is it's starting to add up in a in a very uh sinister way. I mean, Elon Musk as we talked about earlier coming in as the savior of Twitter and he's all connected with this. And I I never had any illusions about Musk. I mean, it, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. You look at his father and but when it comes to Gnosticism, you know, I myself have been pulled into uh, that world in certain ways. I've been interested in it. I, I have books. I, I can't attest to reading them all fully, but uh, I do have books about Gnosticism. And one of the books is titled something like, you know, Jesus Christ, the Gnostic uh, prophet or something like that. So what are your yeah. thoughts on him being kind of pushed into the Gnostic frame. Do you think that there's any truth to that? Is that all propaganda from these cults, you know, trying to paint uh, Jesus as some kind of, you know, shaman or mystic? I mean, wh what, are you, what are your thoughts? Mushroom. Yeah, right, uh, or as a mushroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. I, now, one time, uh, I mean, I've read majority of the Nag Hammadi Library school, Scrolls multiple times. Uh, uh, you know, I used to be a, a, a huge uh fan of the uh, Apocryphon of John or the Secret Gospel of John. Uh, you know, you have the Gospel of Thomas. You have the Gospel of Thomas the Contender or the story of Thomas the Contender. Uh, you have uh, the Gospel of Truth. Um, you have the Gospel of Mary. You have the Gospel of Judas. Um, you have the Gospel of Barnabas. Uh, you know, I, I read majority of these texts, and I actually used to believe the God of the Old Testament was evil, and the God of the New Testament was different. It was unknowable, uh, and uh, and uh, that the, the creation was evil. Um, and I used to worship uh, Mary Magdalene. Uh, you know, um, as much as I claimed to worship Jesus, it was a different Jesus that I knew of. Um, and I used to believe that Jesus wasn't a scene, that Jesus, that you could save yourself through secret hidden wisdom um, and by the works that you do, but not by your belief. Uh, and, um, you know, and I, yeah, I used to you know, have delusions. I probably had the Kundalini spirit wrapped around my spinal cord and would feel my third eye tingle and have visions and stuff like that and everything. Yes, I did have all that dreams and stuff. Um, I was completely given to my own delusions and, and, you know, and, 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 I so uh, I read parts of the Bible and I grew up in the Presbyterian church but I never really understood it and I never really sat down and actually read it from cover to cover okay I read more of these gnostic texts and 
books like the uh the the the, the book of urantia for example and stuff mm. like that and everything and, and and stuff so and i never really read any polemics against gnosticism like Irenaeus from the early church against heresies okay and i was always told and always believed that the, the church had been co-opted, the Catholic Church and and uh, you know, the you know, and, and Constantine and you know, that's you know, they had suppressed the Gnostic beliefs and they had suppressed these hidden books of the Bible and everything like that. And I didn't know I didn't know of the whole three years of Christianity history before the first council of Nicaea and Constantine. I didn't know about the works of the Apostolic Fathers and what they believed in. I didn't know that. So I didn't know you know, this whole history, you know, I believe the whole Zetgeist. I remember watching Zetgeist and believing it, right? You know, that the tell of Jesus is the, is the same as all these other, you know, uh, myths. You know, these all these all uh, savior, messiah myths throughout history. They're all one and the same, right? So all that stuff I believed in. Um, and I didn't know that there, the, the tr what, what, okay, so what did the apostles believe? What did they attest to? What did the, you know, the Christians from, you know, Christ's death uh, to um, uh, 300 and, uh, 330 A.D., roughly, until the First Council of Nicaea and Constantine and the Roman Catholic uh, uh, beginning of the corruption of the church? Okay, so, like, I had no idea that what they believed what's, what is what was written in the Holy Bible. They didn't believe, and there are numerous, numerous accounts of church fathers. Now you can read the Gnostic ones too. You can read the ones that had Gnostic leanings, the heretics. You can read their work. You can read the polemics against them. Some of that is all we have. Okay. And I don't know necessarily know if it's a hundred percent accurate because of who wrote it. You know, all I can say is a tribute to the Bible's accuracy. But if you read the if you read the Gospel of Thomas, which is a Gnostic gospel, and you read the Gospel of John, which is a non-Gnostic gospel, so an Orthodox gospel, okay, Orthodox Christian thought, or a Catholic, universal is what it means. There's, there's some similarities, but there are some major differences. The, Jesus in the Gospel of Thomas talks about that you can be saved by secret hidden knowledge. Jesus said that a person is saved by their faith, um, blessed is those who has not seen, but yet believed in me. We're saved by our faith, by the grace that God gives us, by no work that we can do, lest any man shall boast, or by nothing that we know. The gospel, the good news of the Bible is plain and true. It's easy. It's easy. That's the differences between the Gnostic cosmic presentation of Christ, which God is unknowable, and therefore you can never have a personal relationship with God, which Christianity is different. You have a personal relationship with God and with Jesus Christ. Okay. So God is knowable. He's knowable through his word and knowable through communi uh, communion with the Holy Spirit. Okay. So that, that's different right then and there, the differences between Gnosticism and Christianity. And if you read what the Gospels and what Jesus said in the Gospels compared to what Jesus said through the various different uh, Gnostic writings, whether it's the Procrephon of John, for example, or the Gospel of Thomas, there's two different Jesuses. 
So both of them can't be true from a logical standpoint because they contradict each other. So which one's true? My belief is, is the Jesus foretold in the Bible, the one who is the son of man, the son of God. At one time, I did not believe that. For many years, almost close to a decade, I did not believe that at all in the slightest bit and believed in the Gnostic cosmic Christ. I think that is a different gospel and that is a different Christ. And the only strong modern polemic I have against it is if Barbara Marks Hubbard writes about and believes in the cosmic Christ. And I mean, spends books upon books writing about Jesus Christ, but from the cosmic Christ standpoint, from the false Gnostic standpoint. And she pushes this. Now, how could that be true? Now, logically, you could say that's a logical fallacy. And I understand that. But when you see that Alice Bailey believes in the cosmic Christ and writes about him, so does Madame Blavatsky, so does Albert Pike, so does Manly P. Hall, so does David Icke. And they claim that they're all channeling this stuff. It's all automatic writing. They're getting this stuff from spirits. Okay, they're not getting it from God's word. And in the Bible, Paul says, if any man tells you another gospel, whether it's another man, whether it's a spirit, whether it's an angel, let them be accursed. Okay, so it's different than what's written in the Bible and what's known throughout church history for three 300 years before Constantine, before Roman Catholic uh, um, co-option. That those were polemics that worked on me and what led and that was God showing his grace, which led me to him for me to become born again. So, yes, it is my belief that the cosmic Christ is fake. The Christ of Gnosticism is fake. And the only true Jesus Christ, Messiah, the Messiah, is written about in, in the New Testament. Um, and. That is heartily what I believe now. Um, and a lot of it, it's been a long journey. And, you know, and, and, and trust me, I didn't, it wasn't something that happened overnight. It took years. It took years, Mark, for me to come to this conclusion. Um, and I don't think I'll ever change at this point. I really don't. Um, it took a long time. I, I didn't, I came kicking and screaming as arrogant as I was to think that I knew better than God. <laughs> and, and, you know, and anybody listening, I'm not saying, you know, that I have some secret hidden knowledge. No, what I believe is written in the Bible. It's not secret. It's not hidden. I'm not puffing it up with pride or anything like this. I'm saying this out of love. I was a way arrogant and horrible person when I was a new ager. I try to live the commandments given to us by Christ, which is love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Even if all this is fake, which I don't think that it is, my belief in God and my belief in Jesus and my following the tenets of Christianity has made me a better person. And I'm still a fallen person that commits sin and I'm not perfect. But it has, God has supernaturally changed my heart. And... You know, I'm not going to say that there aren't people that can live moral lives to the best of their ability uh, separate from God. None of their works glorify God. But, you know, people aren't completely degenerate 
in their own right. We're all made in the image of God. There is some ontologically good. So, you know, there could be a difference between a non-believer who tries to be a good person and a non-believer who does it and is like John Wayne Gacy, for example. <laughs> okay. Right. So there's a big difference between that. Right. But uh, hopefully I made got my point well across without sin- sounding too preachy. No, um, no. And then, and even if some people felt that way, you know, this is where we like to have these open-minded discussions with people who, you know, for the listeners may not agree with John, everything you said, I agree with, you know, and, and I'm, I'm someone who's sort of reformed myself. I, I was a Catholic growing up. I sort of shied away from that and identified as an atheist and slowly but surely I found my way back to God and, uh, and Jesus. And although I haven't made the same commitment you have to the Bible and to Christ, uh, it's not something that I'm opposed to, especially as I continue learning what, uh, seems to be indicating uh, a great deal of truth in, in that. So I appreciate you being open and honest about that. And yeah, for people who are listening who may not agree, you know, this isn't a show designed to tell you how to think. It's a show designed to uh, inspire you to to look at the world in a new way and and maybe reevaluate what you've been uh, led to believe. And I think I'm you know, not the only one who can admit <laughs> that I was led astray yeah. by media and religion in a lot of ways. I don't, I don't totally, you know, blame people for being suspicious or skeptical, but yeah. No, me either. I was too. And I still am. I right. still am a skeptic in a lot of ways. Right. You know? Mm. Well, John, this has been really fantastic. We're heading up onto the top of the second hour here. And uh, yeah, I have so many more questions for you. So I'd like to have you back on uh, again in the future, but one final question I have for you kind yes. of relates to my research into skull and bones. It seems they have an obsession with uh, St. John the Baptist, and uh, I found several points of evidence for this, but what can you say about uh, the Gnostic version of St. John the Baptist, or maybe even what the Templars believed about him? Because it seems to be a bastardization of, of Christian doctrine, uh, at the very least, and maybe even a sort of sick occult ritual at most. Well, there were some Gnostics that believed that uh, John the Baptist was the Messiah instead of Jesus. Um, uh, you know, I John the Baptist talked about that um, that he, you know, pr- prepared uh, the way for someone even greater than him, uh, which, you know, uh, you know, we know, you know, what was, you know, was Jesus in a lot of ways, you know, and, and, and so, you know, um, though John the Baptist baptized Jesus and he, um, you know, baptized people and he, he, uh, you know, prepared the way for, for Jesus, um, you know, he wasn't greater than the son of God, the son of man. Um, you know, he was a humble servant just like I am, uh, uh, to God, the father and Jesus Christ. Um, you know, so they try to, um, make the, they try to elevate John the Baptist, uh, to be the Messiah, to be greater than, um, Jesus, which is certainly not true. There were some, Gnostic sects, there were some Jewish sects um, that had had attempted to do so. Um, And, um, you know, if you read the Bible, you know, no, John the Baptist knew who Jesus was. He was baptizing people. 
uh, and, and calling people into repentance, uh, uh, doing the will of God, doing the will of Jesus. Um, and, um, you know, and, and he, he was, he was not greater. He was a human like you and I are. Um, and so they kind of try to, um, elevate him, um, as greater, which is, is simply not true. That's one thing. Another thing is, is, um, not necessarily with, 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 with John the Baptist per se, but there's a very st strong um, call to uh, aestheticism with the Essenes, right? They claim that Jesus was a scene, but there's no historical evidence of that. Okay, so they try to 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 push. Um, again, you can do good works. That's what'll get you into heaven. Is 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 firm obedience. And like Paul said, I'm not telling people that they should transgress and sin against God. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm not antinomianist. But we're saved by God's grace because of our faith, because of our belief that Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, and we do good works to glorify God, but to also to please God because we love him. So, you know, they push a lot of what I would say pretty much in this, what the early church fathers would say is kind of like vainglory. In that there's a lot of vainglory in the in the Essenes aestheticism uh, and the and the some of the Gnostic sex aestheticism, like they wouldn't marry and they wouldn't have kids, and so that's why some of the some of the Gnostic sects died out. Uh, you know, they because um, the the world was evil and they didn't want to bring any children into an evil world. <laughs> okay, and but you had also had the other side of Gnosticism. Uh, cults that were flourishing that were completely libertine and hedonistic like the Nicol Nicolaitans. Like Jesus said to hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans because the Nicolaitans took the Lord's Supper, uh, you know, uh, the, um, the the symbolic uh, eating of, of, the, of the bread and the wine and the remembrance of Jesus Christ, sacrifice on the cross, to be a literal love feast of a sexual orgy. And so, you know, Jesus said in the Revelation of John, you know, I hate those deeds. I hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, and you hate their deeds. Not hate them, but the deeds and actions that they do, um, that you despise them. So there were a lot of Gnosticism, hedonism in, under the guise of aestheticism. Does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So a lot of the elites practice that. They practice it today, right? They, they practice it through their philanthropy, which is just... You know, a lot of it's money laundering. If any of it does trickle down to good things to benefit society, right? I'm pretty sure not a lot of it does, you know, but a lot of it is for them to leave. Oh, don't look at the evil that I do. Look at all the good that I do, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of, you know, organizations that appear to be Christian that do the same, right? Joel Stein, for example, you know, the Catholic Church, for example, you know, so, you know, you know, uh, these, but you know, I that you can go throughout the world to find organizations that claim that they uh, upstand good virtues but do anything but. So it's not only just the Gnostics or Theosophists or New Agers or the elites, you know, to, to poke fun at them per se, but or if anybody thinks I am poking fun at them, I'm not. But you know, it, it, it's, it's a problem all over the world. The Bible says the, the, the love of money is the root of all evil, right? Um, it's not money itself. Money is just money. It's just a tool. It's it's the love, the covetous, the greed of money. Um, and so, you know, 
it's that aestheticism. You have it from both ends, right? And a lot of it is just vainglory. It's just, it's a way of peacocking. Look at me. I My body is perfect and I'm perfect and I'm such a perfect person, uh, you know, or look at me. I give in to all of my hedonistic pleasures and nothing is taboo or forbidden to me. I'm an enlightened person. The Bible says neither one of them are. And a lot of Gnostic groups were like that. Not all of them, but a lot of them were like that. The dichotomy of aestheticism to libertinism. And a lot of it is just self-worship. It's not worship of God, it's self-worship. Which is exactly what we're seeing today with the social media. You know, it's it's self-worship and even, you know, to the point of... uh, comparison and, and not even valuing yourself, you know, because you're you're idolizing these people who you're looking up to. But John, this has been really fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for joining me thank here. You, Mark. Obviously, folks can check out uh, what you mentioned at the top of the hour, but please remind them uh, where to go because you got a couple of different places. I, for one, am signed up on patreon.com slash we've read. Uh, just search we've read the documents and you'll find John's Patreon. But you, where, where do you stream? Rumble, Rockfin? I mean, I, I just get your content through Patreon, so I haven't really seen where else your, your uh, stuff is. Odyssey right now, so definitely subscribe to me there. Awesome. Um, Odyssey is primarily where I'm streaming from now. Um, I... Um, you can just search we've read the documents on Odyssey. I'm gonna add a rumble channel. I thought I fought it for the longest time, but I was like, you know what? I will, but I'm gonna make a video on who funds Rumble. Just like I, when I joined Patreon, I made a video that Peter Thiel and Jared Kushner are funding Patreon. Uh-huh. You know? Uh so you know, I, I probably will start a rumble. I've been thinking about it, I've been shooting about it for a while. Um Billy Ray Valentine and I and a group of people are starting our own internet radio station called freeworld.fm. Um, it shall be out hopefully soon. Um, so I will definitely be on there. Um, and you can find me on Twitter. We've underscore uh, red on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Substack. I'm putting out my finders book on Substack, among other blogs, blogs on the CMP, blogs about health. I did a three-part city series on non-native EMF radiation and what exactly you know is non-native EMF radiation and how you can limit your exposure to non-native EMF as much as possible. For example, yes, I use a cell phone. I don't keep it on 5G. I have it on 4G. I use a, a, a an air tube headset and you have a safe sleeve right here with the it kind of blocks the radiation out in the front. So when I put it in my pocket, I'm not nuking my leg and also turn off Bluetooth and GPS and all that, unless I'm using it at the time as well to reduce the amount of EMF radiation uh, and to reduce the specific absorption rate of how much your body is absorbing the radiation. And so I released a three-part blog series, just, you know, discussing what EMF radiation is, the different types of, 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 of non-native EMF. You have dirty electricity, you have Wi-Fi, you know, there's, there's different types. Um, the actual different health effects it has on the microbiome in the human body uh, and uh, what you can do within, you know, a proper budget to try to limit because it's everywhere. You know, unless you move to the radio dead zone and you don't use any te- technology whatsoever, you live in a cabin with no electricity, you ain't escaping it at this point. Uh, but it is affecting all of our health to some degree. So, it's uh, you know, I do my best to try to limit it as much as I possibly can. But, you know, I do live in the modern world just like everybody else does. But, um, but uh, yes, yeah, so that's what I'm up to right now. And I want to thank you, Mark, very much. It's been a pl- it's been a pleasure and an honor 
um, for having me on, you know, my family thinks I'm crazy and, you know, and uh, to different parts of my life, my own family thought I'm crazy too. <laughs> and so I love the name of your podcast because oh. it is true. I have to, I'm not, I gotta admit that. Thank you so, so much. But thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. All right. On. No, the pleasure is all mine. I appreciate you answering that question that I typically ask people at some point in the conversation. You got, you got it to it ahead of me. But, uh, with that folks, please do go support John Brisson and all of his good works. Uh, helping you realize how they're getting us on multiple fronts. So, I mean, you are an asset. So keep up the work, brother. I really appreciate everything you do. And folks tuning in, thank you so much. And immerse yourself in the moment, wherever you are in the now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to this episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast with John Brisson. Be sure to go and check out his Patreon. We've read the documents. Uh, all of the links are in the description. He's also on Odyssey as well. And uh, Fix Your Gut, that's his thing. Uh, you can look up that phrase, Fix Your Gut, and find more info about John's knowledge and wisdom on all things health. And if you don't know, your health largely dictated on your microbiome which exists primarily in your gut so be sure to uh, eat things that have probiotics in them or prebiotics or postbiotics or macrobiotics or microbiotics I mean I'm not an expert I'm not a doctor but I'll tell you what ever since I've started eating Siji's yogurt uh, my life has changed significantly in terms of oral health and uh, mental health, wellness. I don't get uh, the seasonal sort of things that I used to get. And, you know, this is compounding factors. I'm not blaming this all on one yogurt. But I will say if uh, John, and I don't know what Fix Your Gut is all about. I haven't looked into that information uh, but if John touches on that, then I can endorse it. Uh, but for myself and my own health journey, I've found a lot of benefit from things like yogurt, uh, whole raw milk. I used to work on a raw milk dairy farm, and I used to get milk that was fresh out of a cow. I can still get that milk. It's not that hard to get. I just have to take a longer drive to a different grocery store. But yeah, it's... Uh, it's something that you can do to make uh, quick changes to your health. I mean, it's not going to work for everybody. I think you ought to learn about which foods are best for your um, you know, body type and all that good stuff. Your genetic makeup and uh, ethnicity all have a sort of um, relationship with what foods you may or may not be able to eat in abundance. So, yeah. I don't know why I'm getting off on this little health tangent here because really what I wanted to give is a disclaimer for people who may be asking themselves, geez, Mark, you have people on who are saying, you know, all this new age stuff is great and wonderful. And then you have another guy on who says that he's, you know, turning his back on all that stuff to become a born again Christian. Uh, obviously, I'm talking about today's guest, John Brisson. And while I'm not a Christian myself, I am an open-minded person and you know i should take that back because uh i'm not 
not Christian either, right? Because I was raised Catholic. Uh, I was raised with the Bible. I was raised with uh, family members who, you know, sort of uh, imposed a belief in Jesus onto me. And I don't find anything explicitly wrong with that. I think that's definitely helped me uh, sort of build a moral acumen and treat people justly. You know, not that I needed some book for that. I probably could have figured it out on my own, not to disparage anyone who who does love the, the good book. I just don't uh, totally live my life that way. Now, I'm a seeker of truth, so uh, all of you Christians who like to wager, and I know some of you like to wager on this kind of thing, um, well, you know, don't worry, maybe I'll come around one day. Maybe I will find out that the Bible has the end-all, be-all truth in it. But until then, I'm going to keep having these open-minded conversations with anybody who decides to join me on this show, so long as uh, there's somebody that I'm interested in talking to. And, you know, I don't really take religion into consideration when booking a guest unless that's the topic at hand in which case uh you know i am interested in some uh, conversations in those realms so who knows the only problem with that is once you start doing a religious podcast you either have to pick one or you can't leave any out right because then people will say oh you did a podcast with this guy who's a a Sikh, how come you don't do a, guy, a podcast with this guy who's, you know, uh, Baha'i? Uh, or how come you don't do, you know, one with a guy who's Shinto? Or how come you don't do one with uh, this other, you know, religion that, you know, there's a small population of people, you know, relatively. So, yeah, I don't know. I really don't sense uh, a need to poll my guests on <laughs> on what their spiritual faith is unless it's coming up naturally in conversation and you know obviously some guests they make that uh, a part of their perspective and a part of what they have to say which I don't mind because I'm open to uh, every perspective you know so yeah as for me I don't personally uh, endorse becoming a born-again Christian I also don't uh you know whatever the opposite of endorse <laughs> is right i don't i don't talk, i'm not going to say don't become a christian either right it's it's your choice to make and if what john brisson has to say uh, is important to you or sways you to do that well that's that's on you and that's between you and john and that's what these conversations are all about you know some people uh, reached out recently said oh you had a guest on that said mr beast does this blah 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 and i'm like first of all i don't even know who mr beast is <laughs> second of all uh that's great that he cured a bunch of blind people and you know whatever my guest said against him like what does that have to do with it you know so uh maybe i'm just sort of uh complaining here but yeah it's interesting to me uh the way some episodes are received and I feel like it's worth clarifying uh, my position as an interviewer uh, being sort of a neutral as neutral as I can be so that's 
all I'll say about that for now. John Brisson is a very nice guy, I'll say. We've had uh, a conversation on the phone after this podcast. Uh, I put him in touch with our friend uh, Nick Hinton, who has been on the show before, and he will be joining us on the show soon, hopefully. Uh, We recorded an episode, but he was on his mobile phone while we were recording it, and there's this terrible feedback and even a noise that sounded, well, uh, demonic. So uh, I'm going to post that on the Patreon for people, but I'm just going to give you a warning. Like, you know, the, the audio is pretty bad, um, but if you listen closely, you might hear these like really weird, what sound like voices. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think Nick the reason I put him in touch with John is because he's sort of making his own path uh, towards learning more about the Bible. And you know, I've had no input or influence on him in that realm. But when he started talking about it, I said, oh, maybe you should talk to John Brisson because, you know, John had, as you know, from listening to this conversation, a sort of similar uh, route to Nick Hinton. And I'm not really, you know able to share much more than that a lot of that is going to be included in uh nick's book that's to come out very soon and uh yeah you can learn more about that from nick himself when he joins us on the show but anyways it's definitely synchronistic to see all of these connections uh juan and i uh, have both had nick on the show several times juan and i are going to be doing more podcasts together on the patreon and uh yeah, I don't know why I just shoehorned Juan in all of a sudden, but... Uh, oh, because I got a really <laughs> insane uh, comment on a YouTube channel by a guy named John Juan. And uh, and yeah, that was funny. So anyways, sometimes comments are weird. I love everybody who likes the show and appreciates uh, what we're doing here enough to watch. Uh, and then if you're, you know, so jazz that you go and leave a comment really no matter what you say i'm happy that you left a comment but you know if it's negative i'm just gonna delete it i'm not even gonna read it uh not because i'm trying to censor you but mostly just because we don't need those negative vibes we just don't need those negative vibes so yeah there was a little (laughs) conversation argument in the comments in a youtube uh, exchange recently that Juan and I were laughing about uh like two crabs in a barrel you know two trolls just went at it in the in the comments section and I don't know maybe it's bots maybe the bots are turning on each other or maybe people are just confused out there and taking out their agitation on others I don't know but uh just don't do it in my comment section I'm not I'm not censoring you I'm just preserving the good vibes so uh let's see what else oh i want to give a big shout out to the many people who reached out to me after my call to action in the last outro i asked people to reach out if they have any of the following skills Uh, i need someone's help as a editor for editing certain texts i need someone's help as an artist for creating cover art for the podcast and i need someone's help who's a rapper slash hip-hop uh, artist, uh, producer, you know, someone who has heard the podcast, has appreciated the, the the vibe of the show, 
you've heard you know destiny labs intro song that we use it's featured on almost every episode aside from the one that is sort of like a hardcore remix by my friend shane newsome uh, we also have a couple different songs from a rapper named halizna whose music is available through the public domain on free music archive uh, and then another really cool rapper who reached out to me through instagram his name is tao shu and he created a song called soul trap that you may have heard uh, at the end of the podcast one of the outros so yeah if you're a rapper and you want to contribute to this uh growing list of awesome music that we're using here on the show just reach out to me uh, mfticpodcast at gmail.com you can also reach out to me on instagram but email is is a little better i can organize it better uh, and yeah i do i have had several people reach out so uh there is people already on the list but that's that doesn't mean it's too late um so please get in touch with me folks uh I'm actually thinking based on the number of artists that got in touch with me that I might try to help multiple people promote their work. And uh, I know there's so many podcasters that I'm in touch with in Alt Media United, the cooperative I helped found, uh, who could probably use the same sort of service. So if you're an artist who wants to get yourself out there, get your name promoted on a show that gets, you know, uh, five to eight thousand downloads per episode on a regular basis in you know counting we're growing uh, by the week you know those numbers keep going up so yeah please get in touch with me if that's something you can do obviously like i said in the last outro i can't afford to pay anyone just yet uh, but i will do the best i can to help you generate some interest and income for your business and uh yeah, it's cool. I've already gotten a couple really fun people uh, who I've talked to just from from uh, from that one episode. And it's amazing. Like someone from Dubai, <laughs> shout out to you. Uh, someone from uh, who is who is essentially homeless weeks ago, who's actually pretty hilarious and a very talented artist, uh, told me to tell Juan that he can draw the biggest uh dog dick if you know Juan's podcast that, that's a, a inside joke I hope um I don't know all the details there <laughs> I don't know why Juan is so fascinated with that but he told me to tell Juan that and now I'm telling uh, all of you this so yeah I'm, I love meeting people who listen to the show uh, whether through Instagram or email or in person uh you know if that happens one day maybe we'll do like a, a in-person gathering of some kind but anyways this is almost a 15 minute outro here go over to the Substack, check out all the articles that i've been putting out on Substack. we have tons of bonus content on the patreon shout out to all of our recent signups on patreon we're over 100 now hopefully we can keep growing I'd like to get up to 200, maybe even 500. And once we start growing the Patreon to those numbers, you're going to see big changes in the podcast. I'm talking caliber of guests. I'm talking location podcasts where we actually travel and interview people in person, more video content, uh, definitely the travel thing. Uh, as soon as I can start generating more income, I can 
situate myself in my car uh, situation and uh, and yeah get back on the road I love driving I've been a, a professional driver in several different uh, careers so to be sharing a car right now that's so semi-functional not that reliable uh, well it's it's very reliable but it's just the gas gauge doesn't work so and it's very old so we don't we don't want to take it too far but either way once we get a new car everything will be squared away hey if you're listening to the show <laughs> and you're a, a car dealer or or know a thing or two about cars or or have a car for sale let me know hit me up preferably a van or a bus that would be awesome uh, but either way uh, now i'm just sort of setting my uh hopes high so we'll see what happens i'm not going to be pessimistic let's be optimistic things have been going really well for me and i hope the same is true for you out there wherever you are get in touch let's talk there's so many ways to do that whether you're a patreon you can join us on our monthly zoom meeting we're doing one on the 22nd of this month Uh, or if you want to just email me say hi you can get in touch with us on instagram you can also join the telegram you can leave us a five-star rating and review and i will read your rating on the show here on the show uh, and give you a shout out if it's five stars also let's see what else what else how else can people get in touch oh the synchro wisdom dialogue i haven't had many people sign up for the synchro wisdom dialogue lately uh, it's a great way to support the show and you join me for an episode where we could talk about whatever you want whether you want to start a podcast and you need advice or some guidance or some uh, creative brainstorming with someone who has uh, you know, quite a bit of experience, not just with this podcast, but several other podcasts, hit me up. It's very simple. The link is in the description. You can just go to Linktree, uh, Mystic Mark Podcast, I believe is the URL, Linktree slash mystic mark podcast and the link is in the description so just go click that and sign up today for the synchro wisdom dialogue and you could be talking to me one-on-one on a zoom meeting about uh, whatever you want hopefully uh, nothing weird <laughs> but if you do i could roll with that uh, anyways thanks folks for tuning in and immerse yourself with courage in the moment wherever you are in the now MFTIC Broadcasting the moon matrix from the lunar surface They want you confused like you never knew your purpose Hopping through the portals, dismantling the machine My family thinks I'm crazy, I can't believe what I've seen Memories of a war, the Pleiadians and Anunnaki Stuck within the genes of a copy of a human body DNA fractal, the universe within me Epiphanies of science is hoarded by the Illuminati Puppet masters know the power of the mantra Repeating mad lies till it has an effect on ya Subliminal messages hijack your perception Tricking the population with holographic projections We see through it The system is unraveling I'm astral traveling Through the library of the Vatican On a sacred journey I embark with the squad Forever spitting truth Like Mark on the pod Gotta know the facts Never hold back Cause I ain't getting caught up In the soul trap I dissect the fabric of reality Looking for the answers Searching through the galaxy You might be feeling stressed out 
depression, anxiety is no measure of health to be well adjusted to a sick society. You don't even know how powerful you are. We the ones who gonna expose the whole facade. I awoke in a deep underground military base. Zero recollection of how I got to this place. Alien corpses floating in glass cylinders must have been extracted when they crashed into us. Animal hybrids contained in the cages. A lion with the eagle head, monkeys with reptilian faces Losing my mind and I'm feeling desperate I look around the room and I see no sign of an exit All of a sudden the wall flickers away Revealing a hangar full of spacecraft, my getaway I run to the nearest one See a guard knock him out, rob him for his plasma gun Hop in the ship, take the controls They highly intuitive, I figure it out easily Accelerate through a tunnel until I see the light Fly into the sky, get flanked by six F-35s Gotta know the facts, never hold back Cause I ain't getting caught up in the soul trap I dissect the fabric of reality Looking for the answers, searching through the galaxy You might be feeling stressed out Depression, anxiety is no measure of health To be well adjusted to a sick society You don't even know how powerful you are We the ones who gonna expose the whole facade